Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Oh my, when I hear that disclaimer, sometimes I wonder if it's intended for me personally. But maybe not. This is Michael Byington. I am the president of the Kansas Association of the Blind and Visually Impaired. And I'm pleased to welcome you all to the second and final day of our 102nd annual meeting. Yes, we really are 102 years old as an organization. We are uh, older than ACB. We were originally uh, a part of no national organization. Then NFB adopted us back in the 1940s. And in 1961, we were one of the seven original affiliates that decided that we needed a more democratic organization and uh, migrated away from NFB to develop the American Council of the Blind. That happened in Kansas City. That's where our annual convention happened to be that year. And uh, the... uh, uh, initial convention was at the Muehlbach Hotel, but when uh, the folks at uh, that are now ACB decided that it was time that we formed our own organization, they went next door to uh, the Aladdin Hotel. Both of these hotels still exist, only under different names in uh, Kansas City, and uh, met in the tower room, which was available of the Aladdin Hotel, which is a tall, skinny hotel, which is now a Holiday Inn. So just a little bit of history as to how we got started 102 years ago, uh, as of this last July. And uh, my parents were charter members of ACB, so I guess you would have to call me a lifer. Uh, My lovely wife, Anne, uh, adopted KABVI when she and I got together, and uh, we've been married 43 years, so she's pretty close to a lifer with KABVI as well. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome everyone this morning. Uh, We've already uh, dealt with the raising and lowering of hands and how you do that, and uh, the other disclaimers. So we're going to start this morning with door prizes, and I have a confession to make. We actually had one on the schedule that I forgot to give yesterday, so uh, we will have a rich uh, plethora of door prizes today. This first door prize is uh, probably our most artistic door prize. Uh, Nancy Johnson who is a retired rehabilitation teacher and a always in her life a very artistic person, has in her retirement been very, very creative, and she has donated several art objects that we cherish to the KABVI affiliate office downtown. Uh, we have a lovely latch hook rug uh, at the entrance of our archive room, 
that uh, she did. It's got our logo on it and says K-A-B-V-I. We have another abstract that she originally did as a wall hanging. And uh, we have it. It's not on the wall currently. It's on the floor, but in an area where nobody is likely to walk. So it can be seen and, and not walked on. And uh, she also does some two-dimensional art, even though she has very, very, very low vision. And we have one of those portraits hanging in the entryway to our offices. So uh, uh, we are pleased to share, thanks to Nancy's beneficence, benevolence, uh, I think I pronounced it right that time, a latch hook that she has done for Halloween. And it is one of a ghost and she was telling us just before we came on the air that uh, the ghost is uh, uh, a, a white character as I guess most ghosts are and uh, it has black eyes and black mouths it's on an orange background it says boo at the top and uh, it was modeled after a, a ghost soap dispenser that she had and she used that as her uh, her, her, well, you know, some portrait painters paint live models and, uh, they, I don't know if they touch them or not. I guess it depends on the artist and the model, but, uh, she could check out that ghost and, and turn it into the latch hook. So, uh, the way we've been doing our, uh, door prizes is I'm going to ask the A girl across the room from me to generate a number uh, randomly between all of those folks who uh, registered uh, for signing on with uh, Zoom and uh, uh, getting door prizes and so on. And uh, then Bob is going to tell us who corresponds to that number. So, Alexa, generate a random number between 1 and 36. Here's a number between 1 and 36. It's 9. Mr. Bob, the number is nine. Oh, my goodness. It is Mr. Michael Byington. All right. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. It may, during Halloween, replace the peace sign door prize, or or, or, uh, uh, not door prize, but latch hook that Nancy uh, gave Ann and me as a gift that hangs on our front door. So uh, uh, thank you. It, it'll take a break, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm just delighted. Of all the door prizes out there, that's the one I would have wanted to have won. So thank you, everyone. Uh, do we have Brian in the room yet? We do not. And I want to say that we also do have the recording of that session, should he not be available. Okay. Well, uh, he, he knows that. Uh, it's still five minutes earlier than he's supposed to get introduced. So uh, uh, I have a feeling he'll be along. I talked with Brian yesterday and he had inadvertently misplaced the email that told him exactly when he came on. And just in case it was yesterday, he sat in on most of our convention. And I said, well, I'm so sorry that you uh, had to sit through our convention and then found out that your presentation was tomorrow. And Brian said, Oh my, I've enjoyed the convention. I particularly enjoyed Dr. Harding, and I'm going to buy a computer from uh, Computers for the Blind. So, you want me to call him, Michael? He's just arrived. Oh, he's arrived. Oh, okay, good. All right. So, uh, let him get his breath, and we'll 
Uh, we'll let him get his breath uh, while Ann makes the introduction of our first speaker of the morning. Uh, how, about I review the program? how about I review the program? Oh, well, Dr. Brian is I'm here. supposed to have you do that. So okay. you, you review the, and then go right into Brian's. You're introducing him. I'm not. We have Brian Charleston, not your mother's library from 1015 to whenever, and Nancy Johnson, and I have a little bit to add to that if we don't get people to talk to us, which is often the case, but we'd like you to ask questions. Um, after that, we have Barry sure with guidelines and gadgets at 1130. And then we have accessible pharmacy services for the blind at 1230, and that is Andy, I can't remember his name. Anyway, we have somebody from Accessible Pharmacy, Burstein, Andy Burstein, or Burstein, I don't know how he says it. After that is the Affiliate Roundup, and we have lots of people, and I won't go through all of them because maybe you'll stay on and listen to them. After that, we have a Where Are They Now recording of a past scholarship winner, and our currently our newest board member, Kim not Kim, wrong wrong person. It is Kim, Kimberly Morrow. And then after that, we have the uh, session from ACB on the early history of Braille with uh, Philippa Campsey from the University of Toronto. And that's a fascinating session. If you didn't get to hear it, you're gonna enjoy it. Even if you're not a Braille person, I think you'll enjoy it. And then we have a wrap up. So that's our program for the day. And you're going to go right into Brian's introduction. Uh, here. You're, you're introducing him. Oh, I am? Yes. I am. That's right. And it is a pleasure to do so. Brian Charlson is somebody whom I have known since I attended uh, the 1985 ACB convention in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. He and I were both on the resolutions committee that first year, serving under the able directorship of uh, chairmanship of Paul Edwards. And uh, eventually, uh, Brian and Paul and I all found ourselves on the ACB board, either as uh, board members or uh, in Brian's case, he became treasurer during that time. And I think during the end of the time we were doing this, Paul also became first vice president. But anyway, the three of us, uh, at that time, ACB was poor enough that we were having to pay our own way to uh, convention board meeting, I mean, to ACB board meetings. And uh, Paul and Brian and I were all trying to save some money. So we all would share a hotel room together. And we uh, had this rotation where at each succeeding meeting we would attend, a different person got to sleep on the rollaway. So uh, I've had a lot of time to just chat with uh, Brian. I will uh, never forget the time that uh, his first guide dog, Wesley, uh, got in the mood to play about the time that we were all supposed to go to bed or thought we were going to and uh, ran around and around our room for about uh, 15 minutes, squeaking his uh, toy, which was a plastic stock of celery <laughs> so uh 
I've known Brian for a long time. I heard this presentation when he did a similar one at ACB. It is a fascinating presentation. And then I'm delighted to say that uh, Nancy and Anne have followed up in getting some information on uh, a couple of things available in libraries in Kansas specifically. So, uh, Brian, take it away. And it's so good to have you on our program. Well, thank you both for inviting me. Uh, as some of your attendees today might know, I live the life of, in a library because my wife, Kim Charlson, former ACB president, is the director of the Perkins Braille and Talking Book Library, one of the NLS's largest network libraries. And our lifetime friend, we call her our life sister, Vicki, happens to also be a librarian and is in charge of uh, intake and uh, deletion of people from that library's system and supervises the reader's advisors at the Perkins Braille and Talking Book Library. So I live libraries in one form or another. Kim has been asked to speak at a number of events around the country as the director of a library for the blind. But what really annoys her is <laughs> I've been asked to speak twice at the American Library Association, ALA, National Convention, uh, in my capacity as being an advocate for accessible online library systems. So with that in mind, let me tell you about my latest interest. My latest interest is now that I'm retired, one of the things they say to seniors in their communities is you should come up with some things to do that uh, do not uh, cost a lot of money. And the number one thing all the lists recommend is get to know your public library. I said, well, from a blindness perspective, is the public library, do they really have something for me? Back in the day when I was director of technology at the Carroll Center, I had assisted my public library in putting the JAWS screen reader and Zoom text screen magnifier on one of their computers. Eventually, that grew to being a network license and therefore could be on any computer in the library at a given time. But I got involved with doing that and getting the old Kurzweil reader. I don't know if anybody remembers this thing. This was back in the days when optical character recognition, OCR, was a very new invention. And the device itself was the size of a chest freezer, cost $50,000. And the National Library System funded some public libraries to purchase these so that blind people could read. The difficulty was that many of them spent more time being fixed than being used. I used to say that, you know, it was, it sounded a bit like a drowning Russian and it uh, operated so that when you ask it to scan a page, you could knit a sweater before it was done. So it was the old, old days. And again, because of my connection with libraries through my wife, uh, I was delighted to help them out when I could and how I could in that respect. Now, I'm interested in what they can do for me. 
after all those years of doing things for them. So I got my library card and I went to my library and spoke with them about things they might have that would be available to me. And they pointed out that they had a deposit collection from the Perkins Braille and Talking Book Library. Maybe I'd be interested in that. Well, that wasn't really something I needed. I, I kind of had a backdoor entrance to that. So I moved on to say, okay, what else do you have? Well, we have some uh, books on cassette and some books on CD, um, and you could borrow those. And their collection consisted of about 50 titles. Uh, I don't know about you, but 50 titles is not going to fill my, my bookshelf for very long. Then they had records of music and videos. And from the very beginning, they made a point of getting the audio described videos when they first came out, because those first audio described videos came from a place called WGBH, happens to be located here in Boston. So they had an inside track to, to getting those. And the fact is that the Library for the Blind already was doing that. So I had already watched everyone that was available. So we had a conversation and I got signed up for their newsletter and patted on the head and sent out the door. Then I started reading the newsletter. And it turned out the lady I was speaking with was not aware of much of what the library had to offer. And I'd like to share some of those things that a library offers beyond just books. God, it's hard to say the word just and books at the same time. Beyond just periodicals, same situation. It's hard to say just in that regard. But I'm talking about the less well-known things a library does for people and how that aspect of libraries is growing in leaps and bounds. First thing is they frequently utilize their space to invite the community in for not necessarily library-based activities. It might be the quilting club or the Toastmasters club or the uh, people who want to get together and learn how to do something like uh, calligraphy. Uh, those kinds of activities. So don't forget that there are meeting rooms that you can take advantage of. If you're interested in any of these subjects, you should check to see what their calendar of events are, as well as check them out in case you're involved in some activity and are looking for a space to hold those activities in. And it's not always indoors. A lot of our libraries around the country have nice spaces they're located in. They were been there for a long time, so it was before uh, building lots got smaller and smaller. They might have a fairly sizable one. Here recently, uh, my library held a farmer's market. And before that, it was a little jazz trio doing a concert in the park kind of activity. So don't forget that they are a central place for getting access to that kind of things, uh, which of course we as blind and visually impaired people can take advantage of as much as anybody else. Then there's this idea of special collections. And that's gonna be the bulk of what I'm talking about here today because I did some national research 
on this idea of the special collection. And I'm so delighted that uh, Anne and her friend did some serious research on what's available in Kansas public libraries. Here, I did a national search, and I was amazed at the kinds of things that libraries were doing to expand their reach and their value to their community. Uh, I've got a list of about eight different types of things, so let me go through those fairly quickly. One is tool loaning programs. You know, there are times when you need a tool for one project and one project only, and getting access to that tool, let's say it's something like a, um, I had to hang up a picture down here in my basement man cave, only to find out that I couldn't drive a nail into that wall because it was concrete. So I needed uh, an impact drill uh, to drill two holes. Now, I don't want to go buy an impact drill just to drill two holes. So I checked out an impact drill from my library's tool collection. I had to put down a deposit because, of course, it's not inexpensive, these things. I uh, used it for the day and returned it. Uh, and it really fulfilled the need that I had. Those who know me know that I also, number two here, really love to cook. And I love to bake in particular. So one of the other kinds of libraries that are out there, loan libraries, is for cooking tools of one kind or another. I want to cook party cakes in one form or another. That might be you know, a cake in the shape of a unicorn for uh, my good friend uh, James's daughter's ninth birthday we had here recently. She's a unicorn fanatic, but I didn't want to own a, un a unicorn cake pan because there's only so much room in my kitchen to stow these things. So borrowed a cake pan in the shape of a unicorn. Previously, I'd bought a cake pan in the shape of a pineapple and a cake pan in the shape of, of uh, Harry Potter's face with the iconic uh, round glasses. So that is a really useful thing to be thinking of. Other kinds of gadgets one might borrow are things that you might want to use in the great out of doors. Some libraries loan out athletic equipment. It may be something as simple as a badminton set, a croquet set, uh, or it might be as elaborate as skis for snow skiing or cross-country skiing. It might be uh, literally sleds and snowshoes and things like that for winter sports, things that you use very, for a very short period of time but are not inexpensive to acquire. So sporting equipment is something you might consider checking out your library for. There might be also instruments. Here's another item. Musical instruments. Down here in my man cave office, I have a six-string guitar, a mandolin, uh, and a ukulele. And none of those were particularly inexpensive to buy at the time. I was just lucky to be in a place where that was doable for me at the time. But many libraries offer musical instrument loan. So if you're thinking about picking up the clarinet, 
check your library. Maybe they have one on loan uh, or ukuleles. Uh, you know, it used to be when we were kids, we all grew up having to play one of those crazy recorder flute things. But these days, a lot of libraries have taken up uh, uh, small ukulele collections because the local public schools are teaching the kids in their music class in grade school how to play the ukulele. It's only got four strings. It's a small instrument. Little kids can hold them, that kind of thing. So don't shy away from asking if your library has a musical instrument collection for loan. Sometimes what you need is seasonal, like the sports equipment I mentioned earlier. But sometimes that seasonal has to do with things one wears. There are public libraries around the country who loan out Santa Claus outfits. You don't really need one most of the year, and you might only need one for one night. So check with your library to see if they offer that. It's considered to be the most popular borrow item from these uh, clothing collections libraries offer. If you have uh, a daughter going to the prom, and Lord knows prom dresses are horribly expensive, uh, see if your library offers a loan program for dresses, specifically prom, uh, going out to the prom type dresses. Uh, it's proving to be quite an important item in our culture to be able to provide that kind of thing to people. Also, for that matter, costumes uh, at Halloween time can be uh, kind of expensive to pick up these days. Uh, and, you know, the kid doesn't want to wear the same costume five years in a row. They grow out of them or they grow, grow out of them physically or grow out of them in terms of their interests. So check out to see if they might have some of that available for you as well. You might also want to reach out and um, borrow a person. That sounds strange, doesn't it? But aren't there times in your life where you wish you could just have a conversation with somebody who know more about a topic than you know? It might be that you're having trouble with a particular uh, method of quilting or a particular uh, way of planting uh, a vegetable that you haven't got any experience in or how you might, uh, for that matter, uh, take something and mount it in a frame. It could be almost anything you can imagine. People are putting themselves in person libraries to offer themselves up for a conversation on those kinds of topics. It might be you're thinking about changing career and would like to talk to somebody who's actually working in that field or is recently retired. That's what is meant by a people collection. Lastly, I'm going to mention technology. You know, none of us, uh, I heard, I, what it was it you and yesterday oh. during the conversation said that between you and Michael, you spent like a hundred thousand yes. dollars on technology in your lifetime. So understand that many libraries have gone, one moment. Did you hear that? 
my uh, talking speaker, my A-lady, is speaking to me about what I'm going to be going to in about 30 minutes, uh, a food festival in a local community. Anyway, um, technology plays an important part in our lives, whether we use it for work or schooling or recreation or home management. Well, one of the other things we use it for is to access books and the like that are not available through NLS, uh, National Library Service, our public library, that kind of, not our public library, but our Braille and talking book library, for example. You realize that all of the books ever produced in accessible form are fewer titles than we have, or the, the sighted public has, read print, have published this year. The full collection of anything available this moment is fewer than what's available in print this year. So reaching out to use technologies to access books is a very, very important thing to do. Now, you might be in an area where internet is a hit and miss kind of thing. Some libraries are loaning out what are called hotspots. These are little devices that you plug in and your smartphone using its cellular connection connects up to that hotspot to be able to access the internet. How great is that? Uh, these devices are not particularly expensive. They run low $50 or so, but the service charges can be quite expensive unless you're a library. If you're a library, you can buy these things in bulk and provide them to your library patrons who have a difficult time accessing the internet. They also loan out book reading devices, such as Kindles. Michael, is a Kindle accessible? He probably, he, I don't know <laughs> is, but he probably doesn't know. No, oh, actually, actually I, I do. Uh, I just found out I don't really need a Kindle to read Kindle books. I can read them on online. And I had not realized that until about two weeks ago. So but Kindle books <laughs> are available on certain types of Kindle book readers, like the Kindle White, for example. They are not particularly expensive devices, but maybe you're like me and you'd rather try before you buy. So check with your library. See if they offer book readers uh, as loans to libraries. Because these libraries frequently are purchasing the rights to download books from major publishers on a loan basis, they're likely to have these kinds of devices that they loan out to library patrons with books on them that they've downloaded. You have access to those books for, say, two or three weeks, and then the book no longer is available to you and goes back on their virtual bookshelf so they could loan it out to another person. So you need to keep an open mind about these things, but you also need to talk to one another because libraries are very likely not to know whether the device they have can be made accessible. They won't know so much how to improve the contrast or size of the font. They won't know that Fire tablets have a built-in screen reader that you can enable and read any text-based book and periodical. 
So you have to do a little research to make sure those kinds of things are, uh, that they're loaning out, fit that description of accessible. Find out what they offer, do your homework, and buy into doing those kinds of ways to access technologies. So that's my quick list of the kinds of things you don't necessarily think about a library for, but that are frequently out there. There's two other things I want to bring to your attention. One is that just because your library is a small town library doesn't mean they don't have one or more of these kinds of collections. In fact, during my research, I found it more likely that a library had a regionally interesting collection if it was a small library than if it was a big metropolitan library. The library that loans out a lot of ski equipment is in Alaska and Maine uh, and upstate Michigan. These are places where snow is a way of life. And of course, uh, you're not going to find a lot of ski loaning in Kansas. You don't get that much snow, do you guys? Um, so probably not. Oh, you do? Well, then you might get cross-country ski snow, snow there, right? So again, if you don't ask, you don't get. And you need to be asking your library for another reason. They don't know what their patrons are interested in. If three or four people contact them and say, you wouldn't happen to have a lone library of book readers or a lone library of uh, costumes, whatever it might be, they won't know that their public would be interested and would be willing to come and be more engaged in the library as a whole if they had such a thing. Uh, maybe you're into fishing and it wouldn't take them much to be able to put together a collection that's loanable to allow people to go fish. Why not borrow it for a weekend? ask for it and don't forget that you may be able to help them develop such a collection maybe like my brother brad who lives out on the oregon coast you have a collection of fishing poles that you've collected over a lifetime of fishing and you really don't need 20 fishing poles so he's about to to donate his to the tillamook county library as a fishing loan library so consider doing that. Also remember that libraries are in associations. They're connected to one another. This idea of interlibrary loan may extend beyond books to interlibrary loan of other items like tools, like costumes, like, uh, for that matter, uh, like something as simple as the materials necessary to start up a seed library where people can uh, try out seeds and when they have an opportunity can replenish that uh, renewable resource for the rest of their community. Now, I'm going to stop here for a moment and see if we have some questions from the audience or something you'd like to add that you've experienced in terms of one of these wonderful collection libraries. Do we have any hands, uh, Belinda? We do not. Okay, well, I, I'm going to uh, 
quickly share a story that I shared when I heard Brian make this presentation at the national convention. Uh, during the last, and I think this just proves the point that even small libraries sometimes have things that you don't expect. Uh, I had a uh, student in a very small town in Kansas. Uh, there were like only two businesses downtown. And uh, one of them, my client was uh, rather interested in because it was a motorcycle repair shop. But this small town, when I started working with the student, had a small restaurant, a motorcycle repair shop, and the courthouse and post office. And that was it in terms of what was down in their downtown area, except they did have a county library. And I was really looking for places for this young man to go uh, that I could develop goals of him learning routes and getting places in town. Well, I checked out the public library there. And this young man was having some academic trouble in that he just wasn't really motivated to uh, do his schoolwork as well as he might have been able to. He was a smart young man, legally blind, low vision, but he had some usable vision, still needed O&M. And so we started working on a route to the library from his school, not the school library, but the county library where, as it turned out, they had a rather large collection of large print books that he could see and could use. And they had adult titles that had things in them that he couldn't get in the school library. And all of a sudden, my client became not only more interested in getting a route learned to go downtown, but in some of those books that had things that he couldn't access at his school. And then we found out that they had over a hundred years of uh, school yearbooks from both the uh, middle school where he was and the high school. And even though a lot of those required uh, uh, someone to read them to him, which I was able to do with a visual aid, it, again, was a motivating factor that had I not checked out that library, I would have never known about for him. Now, that's my example, but I know Nancy Johnson has uh, crafted a little bit of a local presentation to follow up uh, Brian. And so I want to recognize Nancy. And then I think Ann had a couple of things she wanted to add. So, uh, so before they start talking, I, I want to interject that I'm probably going to have to leave before they're done. Otherwise, my sister is never going to forgive me for keeping her from this food <laughs> festival thing. Uh, I bought it for her for an early Christmas present, and she's never been to one before. Oh, and thank you and eat well. Yeah, thank you. I intend to do just that. These tickets ain't cheap. They're $35 a piece. Wow. So I intend to eat $35 worth of food. Have fun. <laughs> Enjoy. Take care of you guys. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Let's recognize Nancy now for her presentation on what she's come up with locally. I, I want to say while Nancy is looking for 
her materials that she needs that uh, I thought it was very appropriate a couple of times during the day for the sighted and low vision people who were observing our convention and camera slipped down off of her face onto her stomach. And I don't know if Anne really wanted her stomach to be broadcast all over the world, but uh, she on her stomach has sitting her Braille e-reader. And uh, we had a couple of opportunities to watch her hands with their beautiful uh, indigo colored uh, lacquered fingernails skittering across uh, the uh, controls and the Braille display on the Braille e-reader. And one of the times when that happened was during uh, Michael Lang's presentation about the State Library. So uh, uh, even unintended uh, adjustments like that can be useful to some people because I imagine that someone who hadn't seen a person skillfully using an e-reader might have been very interested in that. Are you with us, Nancy? I'm, I'm ready. I was waiting to make sure you were through. Okay. Um, yeah, I've always loved the library. As far back as grade school, I found uh, solace in the books. I loved going there. I took my children to the library when they were young. I didn't think the library had anything to offer me because I'm a Braille reader and the libraries don't carry Braille books. So I didn't really think there was anything there for me. However, uh, we, we went there to find things interesting and that they would enjoy while they were, we were riding, waiting for a bus. We spent a lot of time between buses, sometimes having to wait almost an hour uh, for the next bus. And we needed someplace to go to get out of the cold and into a warm place. And the library happened to be right there. So one day we went there. So we found out how pleasant a getaway the library can be. I've always found that I could go there and find things to do. It's a cool way to get away from home for an afternoon, have lunch, spend a little time just wandering through the facility and enjoying its offerings. Uh, I've looked at what several Kansas libraries offer, and I'm sure I've missed a, a few items. Larger libraries generally have a little more to offer than the small ones. But just to kind of review, and I know I didn't get it all, but of course, your common library services that can include print, printing your files, um, mobile printing, notary services, and things that reference services, meeting rooms, and lots more. But there are lots of other interesting programs and services that the libraries offer in Kansas. So I took a quick look around to see what I could find. And in Dodge City, uh, I found the Heritage Center, which oversees and makes accessible photographs and other documents for public use of those interested in researching the history 
of Dodge City and uh, Southwest Kansas. Now, I did look up the phone numbers for each of these so that, as Brian encouraged, you can call them. So the Dodge City's library is 785-620-225-0248. And then I looked at the Emporia Library, and uh, basically it has an office copying machine, self-service stations to copy facts and scan materials, and student proctoring. Most of the libraries do offer that. It's the oldest library in the state of Kansas in continuous service since 1869. Wow. It was originally uh, supported through dues of $3 a year for men and $2 a year for women. I thought that was kind of interesting. Their phone number is 785 785- yeah, 620-6462. That's the Emporia. Then I looked at Great Bend, and it has uh, includes a food bank, which I thought was interesting. And its phone number uh, is 785 and you can call there for details. Lee's uh, provides item delivery at no charge. And they didn't say just books. They said item delivery at no charge. Their number is 785-625-9014. Kansas City, Kansas offers music and movie collections. They have art exhibits, genealogy resources, and they have the Kansas Room with a lot of resources about uh, the area. Their phone number is 816-701-3400. Lawrence has something they call zines. And these are works that um, connect us together and help us learn and archive local history as it's happening. They're easy to make. Um, Zines are a sort of younger sibling of a magazine, they said. They're self-published, made in small runs, and are vehicles of self-expression and community for community building. So, I think that's pretty cool that they that you can do something like uh, Lawrence Library partners with the Watkins Museum. Their phone number is seven eight five two eight four three. Three eight three three. Uh, Manhattan Library. Their um, website emphasized online resources. They have tools for education, research, finance, and more. Their phone number seven eight five 
776-4741. And then just because I grew up there, I looked at the Salina Library, which offers pickup service. Uh, it's a smaller library in a smaller, some of the, one of the smaller towns. Its phone number is 785-825-4624. Topeka and Shawnee County Public Library offers all kinds of stuff. Uh, I, I couldn't even begin to write it all down. It has uh, computer and technology classes, curbside pickup service, a place they call Claire's Courtyard, which is, I remember watching recently while they were building this area, wondering what it was. And it includes a pavilion, a small amphitheater, and a space for eating. So you can take your lunch out there on a nice day and sit and eat there. There's an art uh, gallery. And Monday is Farmer's Market Day. The, they'll bring farmer's art market items in. They have uh, what they call book group in a bag, which serves uh, book groups, book clubs. And the, the bag has 10 copies of a book in a bag. And then the folks in the book club can borrow those books and they don't have to go out and buy the book each month. Uh, we do use it at my uh, church book club, and we've had some really interesting books that I probably never would have read. Um, there are what they call Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi hotspots, and then they have the red carpet service, which I can't begin to tell you all that they have. Um, and I didn't get a chance to call them to see. I can remember going there and using a computer that they had uh, with JAWS on it. And they've got, it's just a whole little area of the library that, that has all kinds of, if you're looking for some of the things like uh, Brian was talking about, this is probably where you'll find them at the Topeka Library. But call and ask because you'll be surprised what you might be able to find. They deliver items regularly to uh, congregate living sites and also to individuals in their own homes. They offer, uh, the library offer also offers something they call smart lockers. Uh, again, I didn't get to follow up a lot on all of this, but check with them. Um, it also houses the, the Chandler uh, boutique, boutique shop, boutique shop. I can't say that well. And uh, it's like a little, a little gift shop in there. Also, there's the Millennium Cafe, which um, the cafe has recently been remodeled, and I've not been in it since it's new. Um, their phone number is 785-520-4400. And I also uh, looked at Wichita, and they offer uh, 3D printing, one-on-one -on -one technology help, 
uh, homebound and out outreach services and what they call the library of things. They telescopes, hotspots, and more. Their phone number is 316-261-8500. I've only touched the surface, so call your library to learn what is available. If you're looking for it, you might find it there. I once thought the city of the, the city library was no place for me because I, as I said, I read Braille and I thought they just had books. But when I walked into the Wichita library with my kids, so we could wait in a warm place for the bus, I found a new world. So call your library and enjoy what they have to offer. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nancy. That was a very informative presentation that probably covers people wherever they're listening from in Kansas or close to it. And uh, I, I must say, uh, I am on uh, the bus that I take every day that I go down to the affiliate office, uh, which is located downtown on Kansas Avenue, um, goes right past our Topeka Shawnee County Library. And I always see uh, people with a plethora of different disabilities getting on and off the bus at the library stop. It's absolutely the busiest stop on uh, the bus route that I use to get downtown. Uh, that's excellent. I uh, think Anne had some things that she wanted to add now, so we'll go to her. Not a lot, but um, one of the points that Brian made in the summer session that he did is, and this is worth repeating, the library isn't necessarily going to offer things if we don't use it. And I have to admit that I haven't been to our public library in a long, long time. I used to visit them regularly when they were talking books distributor and I was placing talking book machines and, and books with people during my job. But after I quit working and I do have, I used to have a library card. I'm not sure where it is now. I probably get it, need to get a new one. But um, the, and we did do some work on the website, which is not the friendliest one in the world. They do have a uh, Another service, which I think they call Overdrive, at least that's what it used to be called, where you can download books like Brian was talking about on a loan basis for 14 days, and then you can't read them anymore. They're, they're uh, online, electronic, or digital books. Uh, one thing I found out, though, that he did mention, too, is you can borrow cake pans at the Topeka Public, at Topeka Shawnee County Public Library. So... I haven't investigated that, but I will. I'm not really uh, as good a baker as he is. One thing about Brian's baking, if you ever listen to the ACB auction and participate in it, you can purchase uh, cookies from him. And I guess they're quite good. I may try to do that eventually, but food on ACB auctions goes for very high prices. So I'll have to be willing to, to uh, contribute a lot to ACB to, to taste Brian's cookies. Um, the uh, the the what place you can go before you go to the library? If your library, most of these do, has a website, you can just Google 
you know, Topeka Public Library, Great Bend Public Library, whatever, and go to their website and get, like Nancy did, the phone numbers and a little bit about what uh, things they have. And I think that one of the things that's going to happen now, because of the federal programming to increase uh, internet availability to people on low incomes and also to uh, in, to make it possible for those folks to buy computers and also as we heard yesterday for us to buy computers at a reduced price uh, uh, the library websites are a good place to start if you don't want to walk into the library however at Topeka's public library <clears throat> They do a re, re, what's the word I want, uh, a revolving, I guess, display every so many months. And it's usually artwork. And uh, some of it you can check out. We, uh, we used to be able to check out pictures from the library for a couple of weeks, which is kind of fun. And uh, CDs and book readers. And I'm sure they have hot spots. I haven't investigated but I'm sure they do. I think Nancy mentioned that. Uh, I'm curious about how a library runs a food bank because that's that's a consumable resource. Maybe uh, maybe they are a site for like harvesters here in Topeka or something like that. But uh, that would be worth checking out and and investigating. Um, the other thing about libraries, like you said, is there are meeting rooms that are pretty accessible. In fact, they have to be accessible. Uh, our library has two auditoriums. One is quite large. It'll, it'll host about 300 people. And the other one's a little bit smaller. And, it, and uh, one of our members has suggested that if we decide to do an in-person convention again, we might want to investigate using the library meeting room for that because it's free to not for profits. Um, and and, and we may think about that. I I don't really want to do an in-person convention yet, but um, if we do, that's an option or a, a library in another town. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. That happens to me occasionally. <laughs> but um, the um, library used to have a low vision collection of materials that we donated a lot of them and people could come in before they went to the low vision clinic and check out magnifiers or uh, even look at a CCTV or um, investigate some of the uh, low vision. It was kind of one of those try it, try it before you buy it situations. And I suspect that they have maybe not so much low vision things, but other items that people can try. And if they don't, maybe we should reinstate that option. Uh, one of the problems that we had with their setup was that the, the, the people who demonstrated it weren't always really trained in what, uh, what was available for, um, or how to teach people a little bit about how to use the, the various magnifiers and CCTVs. So if we do that, we're going to have to make sure we have somebody there to show people how to use them. Um, the, that's about all I have on, on specific library material. I still have this article that I was reading yesterday 
which I think is kind of interesting. We've got about oh, 25 minutes or so before Perry comes on. So if you don't mind, I'm going to finish reading that. To Let's see if people have comments. Uh, questions. Want to? Uh, have any questions? You guys can talk to us. We really would like to hear from you. We got a couple raise hands. All right, wonderful. All right, uh, Julie. Well, I have I have a couple of comments. Um, one is that there are some other downloadable. Uh, services and if Kathy's on she can probably tell you something about those and um, if we could use our library here in Topeka for an in-person convention um, you know now that they have that lunch place if we didn't have to pay for the room we use um, we could maybe get lunch from there or maybe they would cater it into us from their place where they have lunch and then maybe we could just get by with doing pizzas on Friday evening or something for supper. And um, and that could work and you wouldn't have to do a bunch of hauling of food around. Right. That was Nancy Chaffin's suggestion, too, that because uh, she she's on a some kind of a library board or some board that meets at a library. Right, Bob? Yeah. Uh, disability board or whatever. Advisory board. Okay. The state oh, we'll, think, we'll think about yeah. that. And why don't you see what Kathy can tell you about the other downloadable services? I don't know if Overdrive is still in action or not here in Topeka, but she can tell you about a couple of them. So why don't you see if she's on and can talk about that? Okay. Got her hand up. Say it. Speak up, Kathy. Okay. I've had a very good experience with the Topeka. Shawnee County Library. They uh, helped me set up my uh, Hoopla account. I also recently set up my account with Libby. It is the Overdrive account, and it is uh, books that the State Library has that is down at the Capitol. Oh. And on Tuesdays afternoons, they have a uh, session where you can go if you have a technology problem with their uh, services that you need help with. Um, you can go and get help with that um, on an individual basis from, I think it's one to three. And um, I found it quite helpful now, the other day I called and I got a really nice lady that helped me get my uh, overdrive or Libby set up, and she was very helpful. And I found the Topeka Library to be quite helpful. What kind uh, of book? As far as helping me with my hoopla and my other account. And I have to say that I use my hoopla a lot. And um, they also come to the uh, congregate living settings where I live and um, the red carpet does, and they bring a lot of books and a lot of movies and music and things like that that you can borrow if you want to, you call, you call ahead and, or 
email them ahead and they'll bring what you want. And I found the Topeka Public Library quite helpful. And what we've also had a couple of, um, K of uh, TAVI meetings in the um, library. Uh, we had, uh, they had a tactile uh, art display that we saw. And also we had one time, one of their members played the harp for us at the library. So a library just isn't a place for books and things like that. They have uh, an, a lot of other activities. And our Topeka Shawnee County Library also has a very good program for young children. It's called the Story Hour. And they also have a program where they give books out to to children that might not have the opportunity to have a book. So I'll uh, rest my case and don't don't go away. I have, a I have a question for you, Kathy. What kind of books do you get on Hoopa and Libby that aren't on Talking Books? A lot, a lot of a lot of my um, Amish. Books uh, that a lot of the Amish authors that I like. Um, I also have read some bestsellers. Um, I'm reading uh, the book that just came out about our ex president, um, about that was written by Peter Baker and uh, Linda Glass. It's called the divider, and or the divided, and it's a very good book. And I've gotten several books like that from the library. Okay. Thank you. Anybody? Yes, thank you very, very much, uh, all of you who have participated so far in this. Do we have any hands up now, uh, Belinda? Julie raised her hand again. All right. Ms. Julie, I think you're Yes. Um, now, Kurt goes to something. I think it's a children's thing, but but he enjoys it because it gives him a chance to see. Apparently, the zoo brings in different animals for people to see. Oh. I don't know if that's once a month or they do that every week or what, but he, he goes to it quite a bit because he likes to see the different creatures. And so um, there's also that available, which I found interesting and kind of unusual so um, that's the that may be a unique thing to um, to the Topeka library and I'll mention since we're statewide and going out all over the place that uh, Kirk is uh, Kurt is a uh, another totally blind uh, local chapter member of uh, well, a chapter member us here in, in Topeka any other hands thank you Julie not at the moment Okay, well, the only thing that I will uh, add to this discussion is uh, uh, the last uh, experience I had arranging a seminar at the Topeka Library uh, was was quite uh, uh, 
easily done and uh, very rewarding. And I know that Wichita has some similar services. The fact that we do have a library uh, in Topeka that also has a restaurant in it is uh, a little unusual and it's very helpful. But uh, there are some rules uh, that if you're going to have an event in the library, you've got to use that restaurant. So uh, bringing okay. in pizza party, par, uh, pizza party from outside is is not a something that they would permit. But uh, it it uh, during the time that I was working with the school systems as a uh, orientation and mobility specialist, uh, the high school in Emporia and the middle school in Emporia is sitting right in front of a roundabout. Now, many of you have dealt with roundabouts as blind travelers, and I know that uh, a lot of you are not terribly enamored with roundabouts, but I had no choice but to figure out how to teach roundabouts because there was one just right in the area that my students in Emporia were having to use. And because of that, a couple of other orientation and mobility specialists that were certified, myself, were selected by the state organization of uh, O&M people to teach a seminar on how to teach crossing roundabouts. And that was for all of the comms in the state who wanted to attend yeah, we had, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, uh, 22 or so people at the seminar. Uh, they have small meeting rooms that uh, they can schedule for things like that. That's also the meeting room where the harpist played that uh, I believe Kathy mentioned. Uh, and uh, uh, we were able to, from that central location, go out and look at several roundabouts and do some hands-on training as well as go back there, uh, move in and out of that room all day, have lunch there and so on. And libraries really can be very useful for things like that. They of course had to pay for their lunch and uh, that uh, restaurant is not terribly expensive, but it's, it's not terribly cheap. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that we've always been disappointed about is that the Randolph Shepherd vendors in our state had an opportunity to operate that restaurant when the library put it in and uh, they turned it down but the people who are managing it do a very good job and uh, uh, more and more libraries are putting in the bookstore type uh, service where you have at least a coffee shop or places that you can sit and read and uh, get munchies and so on so that's perhaps something to be added we are about 15, maybe 14 minutes ahead of time, but I do see that uh, Barry Shear has come in. And uh, now let's see, Anne, who is supposed to introduce Barry? Is that you or Kathy? Well, before you go there, keep in mind that if he finishes early, the and I don't, I don't mind if we do this, if the accessible pharmacy guy gets in early, that works fine. If he doesn't, we still got a little bit of time between Barry and Andy. We've so. got things to fill that in if we need them, so that'll okay. be fine. Yeah. Barry, are you ready to go ahead if we uh, get you on now? He just left. Oh. No. Oh. Well, he was here. 
I, I saw he came in. Yeah, he was here and then he left. Um, Michael, the reason I had suggested perhaps we could have a piece apart in the evening is because I thought the the library restaurant was not opened as many hours as it used to be. And I knew lunches wouldn't be a problem, but I didn't know if the evening meal would be um, if we use our library. But their hours may extend, too. Well, that gets to be sort of an in-state and chapter issue that we don't want to debate too long at a state convention but uh, i understand that but uh, but i just wanted you to know that's why i said that i knew that of course they'd want you to use their meal facilities but um i thought maybe they closed by i don't think the, the library lets you bring in food from outside uh, at any time julie but we can, okay. well, we, can go, we can go to a pizza restaurant for right. yeah you know yeah. We, we, we can do that too yeah uh, linda uh, like just came on uh, did you have somebody else Asking for the floor, Belinda. Uh, yes, Kathy. First, I'm back. I'm on. I think. Um, first of all, uh, Michael, the reason why the vendors did not take the library uh, cafe was because there was restrictions that we couldn't, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't uh, work with, and. Uh, so that's in the past, and I wish you'd quit bringing that up. The, the other thing I want to say is that the library also, their cafe is also um, a champ meal uh, provider that the uh, Jayhawk Area Aging Department has a program where you can go in and to their site and get uh, meal tickets, and you can eat there for three dollars a meal at lunchtime. They have a, a menu that you can use uh, for healthy choices, and a lot of people uh, use that. And that's another thing that um, is very helpful. We've had we have several people here in our building that that use that. So well, I just wanted to put those two things out there that uh, the library does is a champ uh, cafe. They use, they are participating in the champ program with uh, the uh, area, Jayhawk area aging uh, uh, group. And they, um, they are, a participant and so that's all i have to say thank you well first of all kathy i stand chastised and disciplined <laughs> on the one issue and on the other it may seem like kind of a local issue but certainly our discussion of libraries and what there is available to us in them would suggest that the things that are happening here in topeka are happening in other places. For example, I certainly didn't know that they had a food bank in the uh, that was operated out of the Great Bend Library. So uh, things like that. And I was unaware of the program that you just uh, Me too. shared. So that's very interesting. I see that we've got Barry back. We started to introduce you, Barry, or ask you if you could uh, start your presentation uh, five or 10 minutes early, and then you disappeared for a while. But I see you have reappeared on my screen anyway uh so would you be 
uh, ready to start your presentation pretty soon. That, yeah, uh, sorry about we're that. We're going to let Kathy introduce you before you start. So, Kathy, you've got the floor. Uh, you this are. is very sure. He and his wife, Kay, or his uh, friend, Kay, have guide lights and gadgets. He uh, specializes in uh, bl uh, blind and low vision products. And she has a full array of uh, gadgets and things for dogs. And uh, I have had the pleasure of doing business with Barry. And I have bought a few things from him. So he probably has a lot of new things to talk about. And uh, he uh, is a very interesting man. So I'll let him continue and uh he's got everything from soup to nuts so take it away barry thank you kathy good morning um how is our volume level i hope this is working You're good. excellent because i'm not using headphones so i'm just doing it straight because i've got a machine on my lap we just want you to know there aren't any soup and nuts this morning though we um we had bagels for breakfast but no no soup no nuts oh and that's obviously Kay, who is my wife, by the way, and I am her husband. So, yes, we are, we're better than friends, as we say. Okay. <laughs> um, we, we've got a lot of new things to talk about and a lot of categories. And Kay and I are sitting here doing this. And, of course, you will chime in when you want to and need to and can. I want to start with the most exciting thing that's happened to us and also the craziest thing I never thought I would do. Um, a couple of you may know, but Guidelines and Gadgets is now in the telescopic chain business as a manufacturer. How this happened? Well, about six months ago, I heard about the first locking telescopic cane that we have seen in 50 years. And when I mean locking, I mean when it's open, it stays open. It doesn't close by friction. It doesn't do what Chris Park canes do or a lot of other ones that if you're walking with it and it hits something, it's going to just close up on you and you're going to have 12 inches in your hand instead of 50. <laughs> um, so we had seen this. I did not know where to get it. It had been shown to me. I'd seen that somebody had one, but we could not find the manufacturer at all. And I'm pretty, Kay and I are pretty good at this. We get an email from somebody who says, I don't really want these products, but you might be interested in them. And lo and behold, there is sitting the company that manufactures the telescopic canes. Well, that's not quite all of it, because as it turned out, the company is a company that I have done business with successfully and well and trust and appreciate for years. A couple of you in this group may remember the really interesting cane tips that lit up when you rolled them. The lighted cane tips that used a little kind of generator inside. This was the company that made them. They had an unfortunate problem, however, when mailing 350 of them, and they all turned on, as I heard the story in U.S. Customs, which didn't make people very happy. Uh, so <laughs> they had, they, that sort of ended that product for them, at least for this market. But these folks uh, have been making canes for years. And what they have done is they took um, 
they took a design from the American Foundation for the Blind in the 1970s, and I'm old enough to remember this. I used to call it the wobble cane because it was a nine-section telescopic cane that weighed about two pounds, and it wobbled when you moved it from side to side because all the sections weren't attached very well. So it was, if you wanted to hear what you were walking on, you were also hearing the cane going from side to side, but it worked for emergencies. It had, and it had springs to keep the sections open and stops to keep them from collapsing. Well, these folks took that design 50 years later and worked with it and made a cane out of a titanium, very light metal alloy. The only problem is that Chinese people are short. And generally, they ended up making 50 and 54-inch versions of this cane, and they stopped and the reason they stopped is that every time you make a cane of this type that uses tubing molds, if you will, you have to make a different mold because each length is now some, if you go from 54 to 56, all of a sudden each length is half an inch different and you have to make them. So it's, it's not like a, um, a one size fits all telescopic. It's every cane measurement has to be recast well i talked to them about a 60 inch cane because i know there are lots of people who do use 60 inches and longer canes and i i I couldn't see just carrying their 50 and 54 inch canes we tried to but people started asking me about longer they didn't want to make it because they did not believe there was enough of a marketplace for it so I've done this before, as some of you know, when we get the uh, Kay was shuddering by that time at this one, but we offered to step in and manufacture through their process, the 60 inch cane, underwrite the molding costs, all of the production costs, and buy a significantly large number of products. And I mean, like 300 of them, because that was, they started, it was like a diplomatic negotiation. They started at 500, I started at 100, we settled at 300. But I have worked with these people before, they're international market marketing manager has a great command of English. Actually, they met not only met their production quotas, but they exceeded them, which is really what made me very happy. Three weeks ago, we were actually two weeks early. We got the 60 inch after the prototype came, we got the actual full load of 300 of them. And let me describe what these canes are because they're pretty unique. They are with the handle nine sections the bottom section and the, the bottom two sections are red. It looks like a blind reflective cane. It's not different. You People will recognize this. It's silver overall, and it is reflective so that it gets seen. And people will know that it's a blind cane. Uh, the bottom sections are shorter. But each section can be telescoped individually, or you can open or close the entire cane down. Often, if somebody wants to be like indoors, for example, if I'm using one of the 54-inch models and I go between the 54 and the 60, I will close one or two sections of it, making it sort of a little bit more suitable for not tripping people indoors. But what's the two things that are really wonderful about this is, number one, it locks. It doesn't, it doesn't close. You physically have to push a button in the handle to close the entire cane or you have to close it section by section. The second point is its lightness. It is not as light as carbon fiber canes, but it is significantly lighter than the aluminum canes that many of us have tried. I put it about 20 to 30% heavier than the light light carbon um, units. So that works pretty well. The, The third thing about these canes is that Besides the lightness, 
is they come with two tips, not just one. They come with both a roller tip and a stationary glide tip. They are made of metal. And so the tips are actually made of metal. The roller tip is sort of, it's different. It's not as big as, they're not, the tips are not as big as Ambitech tips by a long shot. They are smaller tips, but they do work. Roller trip works surprisingly well. And we have done them now in 50 and 54 and 60 inch models. And the 60 inch model is exclusive to guidelines. Um, but when we made it with them, that was sort of our concession for underwriting the whole cost of it. And so that at least for quite a while will be, I don't think there will be any other models made because of the entry cost, but it is the first truly telescopic locking cane that we've had in some time. And that has been a little bit exciting for Kay and me. It's also been a little bit challenging since my office now looks like a cane factory. So that is number one that's sort of new, and that's, that's pretty neat. And by the way, I'm going to do a couple of products, and I'll stop, then we'll do a couple of more. I want to go to number two. There are a couple of you who know that at a point we started carrying a daisy book player, and I call it an entertainment center, to compete with the Victor Stream in a number of categories. It's called the Evo. The Evo is a player I've been working and looking at for six years. And I keep telling the manufacturers who are in China, if they put certain features in this thing, we will eventually start to distribute it. It took them four years to get it to a point where I was comfortable with it. And what I wanted them to do was to put in both an internet radio and high quality speech voices. What they, the Evo 10 has been their standard for the last four years or so. It is a monaural product with a very high quality speaker sound, much better than the stream and about two thirds of the size. But it also contains a lot of other applications ranging from a clock calendar to a compass, to a calculator, to um, you can actually set reminders uh, for, for example, if you have to take medication, there's an awful lot of other uses. And the best thing that they did was that they put in the, the Evo 10, they put in Avona Voices, Joey and Sally. And as far as I'm concerned, particularly Joey, is the closest electronic voice to human speech for reading purposes. The other thing that made this really nice is, and I had some involvement with this in the beginning, so that if you are to load Bookshare in Bookshare books in daisy form, they come up talking right out of the box. And the reading quality, particularly for Bookshare, is very, very good. The, one, the best reason to own one of these players may well be for Bookshare, but it is also a music player, and it started to do things that the stream no longer does. It does MP4 video files. It, it has a number of different applications, and right now it's also 200 Well, one of the players is $300 cheaper than the stream, which is the Evo 10, which is we are sort of still carrying, but it's going to get phased out eventually at $199. And I love the player because it's pretty bug-free. I mean, there it is a rechargeable battery that will last three years usually, and that I wish you could change it. And you, you may be able to at Batteries, at batteries Plus. Um, I've been able to have people look at it, but there is a soldered connection. And if, if somebody can do that, the battery is easily replaceable. But they put in the internet radio and they put in the Ivona Voices. And then last 
July, just before the conventions, a couple of months ago, they came out with their Evo 12, which is the keypad's a little different, but it's very similar in function to the Evo 10 with one beautiful difference. It is a stereo music player and with an incredibly high quality sound. If you hold this, it looks like a, it look, let me describe this. It looks like an old transistor retro radio from the 1970s. It's about six to seven inches long. It's got stereo speakers on each of these things that almost look like ears. If you hold this thing a foot in front of you, you are hearing high quality stereo music and of course, high quality speech. This this player also uses a rechargeable battery. And again, it does a lot of things. But there is one thing it does not do, and I did not want to start with this, which is why it doesn't do it. It will not play content from Bard. I did not want to take it through the licensure process and the process which would have taken over a year and which, frankly, the main company did not want to support. So if we had done it, it would have had to have been all on our own. And that means we would have had to put on the application all by ourselves. And I, you know, that, that was, that's where they were. And I said, that's fine for now. But for Bookshare, for any other kind of audio or video content for a tremendous, and oh, that besides the internet radio, there is also now with an antenna built in, actually, a very good quality FM radio with talking presets and talking station functions. These folks have made a good player. The Evo 10 is a player at $199. We've discounted it about $50 in the last couple of months because of the 12 coming in. And it is a, for that, it is a really good bargain. I don't know whether we will reorder. We have a few of them, but we may not reorder them because, again, the, the new player is sort of taken over. The, the Evo 12 is... 289 or 309 with the case we had a case fitting for it because it is plastic and we wanted to make sure it got protected so we do both of those players um the evo 12 has taken off a lot better than i even would have expected um we're on our second finishing up our second batch of orders that we had placed for it we like the player i i I use it every day, particularly when it comes to music and it comes to Bookshare. Um, if you're not a Bookshare Daisy reader or you don't really want to join Bookshare, yes, there are other entertainment and practical functions, but it may not be as compelling a product. But again, if you're reading Bookshare or reading Daisy books, it also does, it, it will do anything that's Daisy. And actually, it will play EPUB files, it will play text files, it will play MP3 and MP4 files. The only kinds of files it will not play are barred AGP files. And interestingly enough, it will not play BRF files because there's not a Braille translator in it. So there's no way to translate the BRF ones. If I want to do that, I put a file in text. So that's our Evo and that has been new and that's been that's been an awful lot of fun. I didn't know when they were going to release this actually. I opened my email one day and said, in your future coming to you. I'm like, oh, nice of the manufacturer to tell us. So that's category number two and category number three which we had started with last year when we were presenting there, but the line has expanded, is our talking medical products. And we have done a very significant amount of relationships with talking medical products in the last year. As a matter of fact, recently, something that was really, I think, in, in, gratifying and also pretty unique, the Nebraska Commission for the Blind, they were holding a 
They're holding a seniors conference for independence for blind seniors during the summer. And they bought 85 talking medical kits to distribute them to all of the attendees. And the medical kits are a oximeter for blood oxygen level, a thermometer infrared, and a very good blood pressure cuff unit. All three of them talk and all three of them are both there. We call them medical grade because they are made by not a consumer company. They are made by a manufacturer in Taiwan who primarily has a market of hospitals and durable medical equipment companies and physician organizations. They do not sell to the consumer. They do not sell over Amazon. They do not sell over the internet because they are doing what we call business to business. It took us almost two months, about six weeks, for them to qualify us in terms of being a partner they wanted to do business with. This was a first for them as an organization dealing primarily in this market. Um, I could not have a better partner. The U.S. CEO and I clicked from the very beginning. She is from Taiwan originally. She's been here about 15 years. And they have made it possible for us to distribute these products at incredibly good prices. Now, what I'm going to do, because I think I've got the uh, quality to be able to do this, I think demoing is always fun. So I'm going to demo each one of these three very quickly. If I can get this set up the way I need to, we will see what happens. Um, There we go. Okay. I'm going to start with the, I'm going to start with the newest product, which is the talking oximeter. And That is now in its second generation. This measures both blood oxygen level and pulse rate. For those of you who don't quite know what this is, when you go into a a medical office, hospital or doctor's office, and they stick something on your finger, that's an oximeter. Well, here's the talking version. This is going to be a demo of our new talking oximeter, which means it measures blood oxygen. Oh, it wanted to stop talking too. Oh, I hit I hit it to stop. Let's try that again. Uh, this is going to be a demo of our new talking oximeter, which means it measures blood oxygen level or pulse rate or heartbeat. Uh, so I'm going to do a demo. Actually, this is a pre-recorded demo, but we'll get put it on my finger and we'll give you an idea of how it works right now. So I just put it on a finger. I have pushed the button to start it, and it will talk in a moment. Usually a five-second startup. Start measuring. Count down 30 seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Five, four, three, two, one. Five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, the, the 30 seconds is a little longer than the, um, the print reading one because... Obviously, measurement. Your blood oxygen saturation is ninety-seven. Your pulse rate is sixty-four. That's a pretty accurate unit. We're in the second generation of that unit. Were you sleeping when you took that? Um, was I sleeping? I don't think so. I might have been. I mean, 64. That's impressive. Uh, it was probably my blood pressure, is what it was probably when we were doing this. Um <laughs> Once we made the, and the reason this unit got made, by the way, and that we've partnered is um, we have a, we have a customer and a friend who really needed one of these to take our oxygen level three times a day. It was critical for our health. And 
I know there had been one made by a company um, in China about three years ago, but it kept coming and going on the market and it wasn't very good. So we found a partner that had a good design for it and we got it made. But then our partner in the thermometer and blood pressure world, I introduced them to it when I met with them because I said, this is something we really like. And they said, let us take it. They put in some additional accessibility features. It beeps when it's correctly starting to take your measurement. And it beeps again to indicate that the measurement has been taken and that you can take the unit off your finger. So that is the oximeter. And each of these three units are $50 individually. Individually. However, I'm going to tell you a minute about a bundle because of what we're primarily doing right now. Now I'm going to move to what we started with these folks with, which is the infrared non-contact thermometer. In 2005, I made one of the first talking thermometers in China. And the problem has always been the quality of the infrared sensors. I have never up until now seen a talking infrared thermometer that will give you the same reading twice in succession. Quite simply, they are not accurate. They have never been accurate. And they are inexpensive enough not to be accurate. And we just put up with them. Well, partly because I have a career in the healthcare industry, both as a lawyer and a business consultant. And I've been intrigued by this because we did the first one so that when we recognized that our partner had a really good unit that worked, we were more than happy to sort of join with this. And this is really easy and really quick. I'm going to start this. We're now going to take the talking round contact infrared thermometer. We're going to put it approximately an inch or so from the forehead, which it turns itself on automatically when you hit the trigger. This is so simple to use. Three beeps. Your body temperature is 97.7 Fahrenheit degrees. Now, I'm going to do this again because I want you to see its accuracy. Your body temperature is 97.8. Tenth of a degree, which is not much of a variation. And we'll do it once more. Your body temperature is 97.8 Fahrenheit degrees. Again, that's the first time that we've seen one of these units actually and consistently read the temperature. Now, uh, there's been some reading I've done lately because, of course, somebody said, well, why is it 98.6? Uh, there's been some discussion about body temperatures and being a little lower actually than what has been the normal normal but this does stay consistent it uses two um double a batteries and again it works it's it looks like a little looks like an oversized squirt gun is the way i describe it and you use the trigger on it it turns itself on it turns itself off and that's all there's to it now let me go to the third product Blood pressure talking units have had a history of inaccuracy. I've probably bought 10 of them over the years just to try them as well as anything else. And there was only one unit, which I discovered several years ago, which was even close. And we were selling that unit for a while because at least according to what we were doing, it was the most accurate I could find. Then we ran into these folks. And again, they they manufactured both a wrist unit and a cuff unit. I do not carry their wrist unit because even their CEO admits to me that she wishes it was more accurate and that's all we needed to deal with. Um, There are a couple of things about this blood pressure unit before I show you how it works. The cord, the, the, the cord that connects the cuff 
to the main body of the machine is shorter than many of your blood pressure units. Now, that's an advantage because that means it doesn't get tangled, which means you're likely to have it get itself into place easily and eat more easily sit underneath your arm where it belongs. Number two, they did something I think that's pretty innovative, which is they don't supply it with an AC adapter. It uses four AA batteries. But what happens when you don't have AA batteries? You run out and you're not able to get to the store or get somebody else to go and order them from the Amazon for a few days. It has a USB port into it that plugs right into your computer which means you can actually take this unit if you suddenly are without battery power and plug it into a USB port on your computer and it will work fine. Um, so it doesn't have the typical wall wart, which I tend to lose anyway. So let me start this. Now we're going to show you the blood pressure cuff unit. And I have it on. We're going to start it up. Actually, I may have started the wrong. I may have started the wrong one. <laughs> well, let's see. You can hear the sound. That's a pretty good number. I think it's launching. It takes about 30 seconds to read. The chip, the speech chip is unfortunately slower than the measuring chip, and that's what the discrepancy in timing is. Your blood pressure is systolic pressure, 151 millimeters of mercury. Systolic pressure, 19 that was a little high for my blood pressure and as it turned out um i did not have it as far up as i needed to because i took it again and it was and i and, you, and the reason i had to do this is it is very critical where you have cuff placement as any of you who have used these units know it has to be significantly on your upper arm and it has to be tight enough to make the difference so those are the three talking medical products they are $50 each except what we have decided to do and what we are doing now mostly is putting them together in a medical bundle and the medical bundle has um, a case that fits all three of them for carrying purposes. There is audio documentation. Actually, I had Lisa Salinger, who a number of you know, who I, I, I don't want to call her the tutorial queen. She does a wonderful job in tutorials. She is now with Hadley, but she has done work with Mystic Access for years. And she does a really wonderful, enthusiastic, and simple job of explaining how to use every control and button on a device. So Lisa did two of the three talking medical demos. I actually did the oximeter myself because uh, we were just we just had it there, and I didn't even have I didn't even need to send it down to her. It's so simple that it was like, okay, you do this and you do this. You stick it on your finger, you push the button, you have it in a certain position, and it's going to read it. So. What we have done is we have made a, a medical bundle that with the case, with the three products, with the audio documentation is $140 plus shipping. And we do sell the individual products at 50 each. Uh, I will do that particularly if you have other ones, if you already have a blood pressure unit, for example, and you don't want to get another one, you can't, I don't want to have you have to buy one, but 
We will sell them individually. It is easier for us to do them as kits for a number of reasons. And that's what we are primarily doing. I think we're going to see more commissions actually do this because this went over really, really well. And it's, and you know what? Independence and medical products and being able to take your own medical measurements, it, it really goes together very, very well. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. So that's the talking medical product. So we've done three sort of groups. And I'm going to stop for a second to see if we've got questions on any of those three before I move on to leather and other electronics and doggy. Well. No, no looks like. Yes, we do. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, how much is your cane that you talked about earlier? Oh, my goodness. I didn't even tell you. Thank you for doing that. The, um, the 50 and 54-inch canes are $50 plus shipping, which is a flat 10 on them. We, we flat 10 everything in COVID pretty much these days, except where it's bigger. And the 60 inches more. The 60 is 70. It will be for a while because we had to do all the molding costs, and we had to basically run up the production. So it and it's also longer, but they, I sort of think they should be the same price. At some point, they might be, but we've got Again, we had to make a significant investment to get it made. And this same cane has been sold by a number of other parties at $89. And I'm like, against the $50 units, I'm sort of incredulous, but I understand why. If you buy something retail from somebody else, that's how you're going to sell it. Um, our relationship has always been direct with the, the folks. And I am actually talking to them. I will not make a promise. You did not hear it here first. I am not claiming anything. But the one thing I would like to see, if possible, is if we can give our customers a wider configuration of tip choices. And I am having the manufacturer look into it because we, we, we all have our favorite tips. And I'd like to see if they – I like their two tips, but they are smaller which means they, they, they do, unless your technique is really, really good, you get the annoying sidewalk crack occasionally. And so I've asked them to take a look at it. I don't know whether it can be done or not. But these folks are really, really good when it comes to stuff like that. So the canes are 50-50 for the 50 and 54 and 70 for the 60. So do I understand, though, that like I would use a, probably a 56, could I shorten the 60 to be a 56? You can shorten it perfectly to be a 56. We'll close the last four inch red section. And it is, I have many people who do that already. That's why we're not making a 56, by the way. I thought about it and we just decided, look, I can close this. And it, again, because it locks and because it stays closed and because it doesn't affect the other sections, you're not going to have difficulty. So yes, you could, if you could either go the 54 rent and be two inches shorter, or you could take the 60 and make it into a 56. Okay. Very uh, how are the uh, tips attached and detached? They are threaded and they are a deep thread. They screw on and screw off in the usual, um, you know, the usual way we screw and unscrew things. <laughs> uh, Loosey goosey, righty tighty, whatever that is. I, so, um, and they, it, it takes a fair amount of turning to unscrew one of these. And the reason is you do not want your cane tip falling on the sidewalk and rolling down the street. I know most of us have had something like that happen at one time or another. I have. It's not fun. What I suggest to people is after every few uses, you just take a little tweak at the tip and make sure that it's still attached. But 
we are actually, as a matter of fact, we are sending the 60 ounce, the 60 inch models right now. We are sending them with the, with the tips in the bag. It comes with a nice little velvet bag and we are putting the tips separately with the cane and out slightly a, so we can mail it um, in a specific package. And secondly, because people should see what the two tips look like and then be able to put it on. It's just like doing anything that you don't even need a screwdriver. It's just take the tip in your fingers, get it lined up, turn it, and it's going to go on until it stops. Give it one more sort of little extra twist to make sure it's on, and then you're done. Yeah, like you're Excellent. twisting a nut on the end of a screw, basically. All right. Thank you. Well, if I'm putting okay. it on, why it's a nut twisting it? Well, never mind. <laughs> what was that? Say that again. <laughs> I was being silly. <laughs> oh, we're always we're, we're always silly, especially you and, with you, you and I. Would you and I would get along just fine? <laughs> all right we're done with medical so i'm gonna move on for a couple of i'm gonna move on for a couple of things um i'm gonna talk very quickly um well, let me see two or three other electronic products um a number of you i know i think kathy i think you do have our one of our sound boxes we discovered a product about five years ago that was really good for amplifying phones victor streams and other little entertainment devices that don't, doesn't require any wires. It is. It, it uses the principle of magnetic induction. Speakers have magnets in them. You put your stream on top of this, and the 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 difference that it makes in the volume is truly startling. Matter of fact, I might have it. Yeah, you know what? I think I have a demo of this right here. And if I do, I'm just going to give you an idea of this. I'm going to do this with a Victor with a Victor stream. Uh, we've got the phone demo. Let's see if we can find the, yes, this looks okay. The next thing I'm going to do is a demonstration of one of our sound boxes that I've been describing. And what I'm going to do, I'm actually using one Victor track and one Victor stream to do this. I have a Victor, uh, stream in my hand. I have a sound box next to me. It's actually the original sound box model made in 2011 by iFrogs, which I still can get from new, but it's getting more and more difficult, but they're really wonderful. It's the same size as the stream as you will see as I described it to you a little bit. But for now, let me get this started, and I'm going to just start a book in the middle of it I'm reading, and I'm going to have it so it's not on the amplifier right now. It's just playing normally. In early 2013, all the building blocks of Instasis' success were finally in place. The gospel of the speaker program was spreading I just the level of The IRC team was growing and constantly honing its techniques, delivering a dramatic bottom line. Every month or two, there was a new IRC benchmark. It's that easy. It's that easy to do, and these things work really. We use them like when we're streaming concerts through our phones. Um, we'll, we'll tend to put a sound box underneath it because it both does better bass response and it also significantly increases the volume. Um, we've had a number of folks and I am in, I'm at the point of using hearing aids part of the time now. And for me, even I'm using our own sound box to listen to things. Now there are about four or five different models of those. They range in price from about 30 to $65, depending on features. Um, as we always say, the best thing to do with this is to call us and talk to us because depending on what your use is, 
one of the models, there's a stereo model, for example, it's a little more difficult, a little trickier to use. The, the basic model um, is uses AA batteries. There are rechargeable models made of wood that are a little teeny less portable that are nice things to sit on a countertop. They're actually a dark walnut with a felt base and they are rechargeable. So they have a rechargeable battery instead of having to change AA's all the time. So again, it's better to talk to us on something like this. That's our sound boxes. Um, two other quick electronic products, and I'm going to talk about leather a little bit. Um, one of the things that uh, we have used for quite some time is when we are out walking and we need our phone hands-free, we also need perhaps to be using Ira or Be My Eyes. And the issue has been you're not going to be wearing earbuds when you're doing that. We have had two solutions to that over the years. One of them was a number of Plantronics headsets that are single ear, but Plantronics has stopped making most of their high quality single headsets. So we had to look around for quite a while. And after testing probably 15 of them, we came across one that we are now selling that has speech controls in it, is very easy to use, has a mute button, which I significantly like on Zoom calls. So if you're just listening and you're walking around, you can just push this button and it's not like muting it on your phone or on your computer. It just mutes Zoom. Those are $60. They are really comfortable. They go over your ear. So they have a, they have like a, a round semicircle that goes over your ear and then it lays flat against your ear. It is not fully dependent on an earbud. It does have a small ear tip, but it is not dependent on that as a way it works. So that's one headset solution. The other headset solution is, again, a few of you may know that several years ago, Guide Lights and Gadgets manufactured our own bone conduction headphones. I did it because I didn't like aftershocks and we sort of felt it needed to be done. And we made them, we made a hundred pairs and they were incredibly popular. I, I still get calls now. The only problem is the company decided they did not want to keep in that direction anymore. And during COVID, actually, the company disbanded, which is really too bad because they made it, it was a foldable bone conduction headphone. You could just drop it in your pocket. It had a louder volume than aftershocks. They actually worked with me on the specs to get it right. I don't really want to do it again because every time you do something like this, you're into five-figure startup costs. And, you know, we've, we're getting older these days and it's like canes are enough. But, the, um, but we have found a very new and exciting um, set of bone conduction headphones. And I say exciting because most bone conduction headphones are bulky or they will go behind your neck uh, and they sit over your cheekbones. And for some people, they are not comfortable. For other people, they give you headaches. We discovered a pair that work either individually or together, depending if you want to use one or both, that uh, go over your ear. Do not really use earbuds. They lay on. They lay on the small bone behind your ear, and they are extremely comfortable. You can wear them all day. They are easy to use. Um, again, it's sort of one button for the functions, and we have a pretty good quick start guide that Kay and I worked on to make it more accessibly um, usable. So we all the pictures are gone and the descriptions are there, and. Those, those are $100. And I can tell you, we've sold about 30 pair of them, I think, in the last six or seven months. And we haven't gotten one back yet. 
because the there now the one comment I will make is they are not the best earphones you would use for talking on the phone. They're okay, but if you really want superb fidelity, because these are working from behind your ears. And so, yes, there are microphones in them, but again, it's not, it, if, if you've got a microphone type headphone in front of your mouth, that's going to be a better, that's a better quality. Um, there are trade-offs with this stuff, but for being able to wear these things all day, to easily use them with Zoom calls and to use them outside when you're walking and not worry about them falling off or falling out, um, it's, it's actually a, a pretty good design. Let me mention one other headphone, and it is in tribute to our person behind the scenes and to Cecily particularly, because one day as we were talking, Cecily asked me for something, and the problem she has is a problem that we've heard from a number of people over the years that I decided it was time to solve, which is many earbuds do not have tips small enough to fit many women and children. And they fall out and you get a regular set of earbuds, you use, you put the tips on, they're too big, they're uncomfortable or they don't go in. There is a company that we have partnered up with for taking their products that specializes in small ear tip designs for earbuds. And they are, they're wired. They're not Bluetooth. They are wired, but they are really good. Um, Cecily, I think is now on her second pair. And I think that one's for backup in case the first ones go out. But we, that is again a specialty item, just like we have also done for one individual single ear wired earbuds where somebody was using an ATM machine. We, we look for product. Kay and I look for stuff. If it's something that somebody's going to ask about, we're going to try and find it because that's partly, you know, we, we use the phone as our primary means of sales. We do not sell e-commerce over the web. We used to. We may be starting up slowly sometime in the next year, but I really don't want to get back to that if I can help it because then the problem is people buy something, they haven't felt it, they don't know what they've got, and they want to return it. I can't blame them for that, but there is an issue when you're taking an awful lot of product back to turn. You try and not to do that, and I don't want to I don't want to ever have to put the customer in the middle be deciding whether we're going to be able to accept the product for return or not. One other electronic product, and then we'll move to leather and doggy. Uh, about five years ago, I, I hit cables, all kinds of cables. I have too many of them. I have four bags, large gallon bags filled with miscellaneous cables from various devices. And if you ever want to find the cable you want, micro USB, C connector, lightning, you'll always, this is like, okay, where do I go search now? So we set out on a quest to say, we're going to sell one cable. And it's going to be one cable that you can use and it's not going to break on you. It's not going to suddenly stop working. It's taken us five years. But we sell a multi-connector cable in both five and ten foot lengths that has all three connectors, micro USB, lightning, and C-type. The thing about this cable, it is made with a steel core, literally, so that this cable, the company says, you know, Look, you send this to us, we'll give you another one, at least in the first six months. 
And you know what? That's pretty good enough for me. That's the only cable we, well, it's one of two, we share one other special cable, but that is the only cable we generally carry. It works, it charges, it will charge simultaneously with three devices, which is really cool when you're traveling. So Kay and I each carry one. We have six devices in a hotel room plus our CPAPs. That's another product, actually. Um, I forgot. That's a, Oh, the power cubes. That, we can't go anywhere without mentioning power cubes. Anyway, those cables are they, um, they've, they've raised our prices slightly recently due to the uh, whole customer supply issues. So the cables are now 25 for the 10-foot length and 20 for the 5-foot length. But these things are heavy-duty. And as I, I joke with somebody, if you want to garage somebody for in your life and want to get rid of them, this is a perfect thing to hang them with. It's really sturdy. It's that tough. Yeah, it really is. You, can, you whip this thing around, it's like it's going to hurt. So we like them for their, for their sturdiness. We also carry something called a power cube. Again, this is a one product situation for us. We, we travel with a lot of electronics and Kay and I travel, you know, 10 to 15 times a year for shows. And we don't want to be carrying all this electrical stuff with us. Well, we finally settled on a product that is a two inch, uh, maybe three inch by three inch cube, cube shaped. It's got three AC outlets in it and it's got three USB outlets in it. And this is not something that's going to blow up on you because you have inadequate power. If it ever gets to the point, and, we've not, and we run CPAPs on it, we have both run a CPAP on it and USB outlet devices on it when we've traveled. It just doesn't go down. But it has an overcharge protection shutdown circuit. One of the ones we're currently using right now is a very well-known electronics manufacturer. We actually carry two different ones. Um, they both use buttons to turn them on. One button, you can sort of feel it, and it's a different position, but the other one is a more mainstream manufacturer that you would hear of. We carry both of these, and they are $40, and they are well worth it. Um, we carry two of them. Where Kay and I are traveling Tuesday to a show in Atlantic City. We are each putting ours in our bags. We don't leave home without them. I'm going to stop with electronics, and I'll um, let me. You know what? Let me move. Let's just move on to leather. And I'm going to briefly describe mostly categories of leather products because, Kay, I don't know. We have we, we easily over 50 leather products, I would guess, because we keep taking new ones on. The, the, the reason for all of this is we have two leather manufacturing partners. One of them is we are a distributor for a company that is called ABC International. It's a holding company for a very worldwide leather manufacturer. And every year, Kay and I try to go down to their six-acre warehouse in Florida and go wandering through leather and get lost and get dusty and we keep finding things and scare the heck out of the warehouse workers. oh yeah yeah they're they're all they're they're it's, it's mostly of indian descent and the, the 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 general manager is great i mean he is he's come so far in five years he looks up stuff for us he's still scared silly <laughs> yes but he still is yeah he he's not comfortable with blind yet um but we do go there and we've and they make a lot of good stuff they make um some of you have seen our squeezies, our little things that you can use to store cables in or earbuds. 
I store SD cards or thumb drives in them. Cases don't do that anymore. But they, yeah, they they can fall out. They slither out. Yes, out of the squeezies. But they make great. Um, they make great wallets, for example. Um, really. Uh, oh, the neck pouch. Yes, and we're getting to pouches. Okay. We're getting to pouches in a minute. So that is one of our manufacturers. But the other one is just. It, it's pretty humorous. So Kay and I are at a flea market in Florida. We love flea markets. And we bought something. We got back. We liked it. It was a phone case. And we're going, hmm, where is this made? We'd like to figure out maybe we can get some of them. To our shock, we look at the tag and it says made in Myrtle Beach. No, it did so not. What did it say? It just was a part. Oh, that's right. It was a part number. It didn't say where it was made. I you went, had on, to look at, I went online. Went on. I'm, I, am the, I am the online excavator and uh, found the darn thing. Turned out it was made by a manufacturer that is that is homed here in Myrtle Beach, within yeah. a mile of where we live, of all things. They, they happen to be one of the larger wholesale motorcycle accessory companies in the country. Motorcycles are big in Georgia, South Dakota, and in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And people come here for bike rallies. These folks have the highest quality leather products we have ever seen. Amazing. Because if it's good enough for a biker, it's good enough for a blind person. And we, Because you know what? You can throw them, drop them, kick them. They make something called the toughest phone case in America. And it is. It is. It's this heavily stretched cowhide case with two compartments. We tell people, carry your phone and your stream in it. Carry your phone and your and an orbit writer in Any small two products that you want protected for use, this is the case. But we also, and our first leather product, because we started with phone cases, but not significantly. What started us in leather was really the neck pouches, because people were starting to use Ira and Be My Eyes, and they wanted hands-free as they're walking around with their phones. And people were looking and finding lanyards at 25 and $30, and we're going, wait a minute. We found, again, we went to our manufacturers, and we have been selling the base model neck pouch, pretty much the same one for eight years now. We've sold close to a thousand of them. It has three zipper, two zipper compartments in the front, which can fit just about any size phone because one is higher than the other. And it has a full length and width compartment on the back. It's, it's soft leather, so it is pliable. It's got an adjustable strap that'll go from your stomach to your throat pretty much. And you can put your phone and walk with it. The cameras do, the cameras sit out in the back so that you set it so it rises above it it is again it, the camera and the phone is sitting up and out of the pouch i'd say a third of the way so it's it's not 100 percent closing and protecting but it works extremely well for be my eyes or ira the, the the folks can see it and it doesn't interfere with the phone the other thing is because it does have some uh the, the leather is very soft and it breathes Although the microphone, the speaker for your iPhone may be partly in the bottom, you, it will, you will be able to hear the speaker as you walk with it. It doesn't muffle it entirely, which is a good thing. We now do about five different kinds of pouches, depending on your use. Some of them are just, you want the phone to carry, that's fine. Or if you want a whole bunch of things to go for half a day, there is a neck pouch that'll work for that as well. That's got, I don't know, three or four major compartments and is very heavy duty. So. Any hand may any anytime you want to carry stuff that you want to carry it for use where you know you need your camera out or just to keep your hand your phone uh, your, your phone hands free is something we got. Now our pouches now range from about twenty. 
to what, say 40? Is it 40? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's 20 to 40, depending on how many compartments and what letter they are. And the but, size and the, the overall dimensions. Right. But the basic one is still a $20 pouch, is still there and still works, and we like it. And most of these can be converted into crossbody yeah. uh, bags as well. So if you don't want to wear it around your neck, it's getting a little heavy. Um, which happens to me. I can't stand a lot around my neck. I can extend it and I can wear it uh, crossbody. It's not going to be ripped off. It's, you know, they're, they're fairly secure worn that way. So just uh, choices. Choices are good to have. Let me move on to a new bag. And this is a bag. We've, we've had it once before. And two years ago, we had it at a conference. I had one of them there. And a friend of ours who was helping with the table calmly picked it up, said it's mine now, and took it away because she had a specific application for it. It was a chest pack. It went over one arm and like a crossed body, but it sat right in front of you, close to your body. And it was about an eight by eight inch square with several compartments, which means it holds a lot, but nobody is going to be able to reach into it. And best of all, it actually has a flip up phone pouch for when you need to go hands-free. And that, we call that the chest pack. They've been gone for two years. We found it, it disappeared. It's back. And this time we were able to buy enough of them. They're not cheap. I think they're, I think they're $65. Um, they're a very heavy duty leather, but if you want to carry a bunch of stuff and you're walking in areas where you are worried about people reaching at you or in crowds, this is the thing to carry. It's a chest pack and it works really well. It's a very heavy duty leather and the strap, I mean, they're not going to be able to pull this off your neck. They're not going to be able to pull it off your arm. They're not, it's not going to be very easy for them to reach into. Then we're going to, move to another bag but this bag is a k bag because she got the fun of naming it um and well as soon as i saw it i knew what it was yeah so um i i carry tend to carry a lot of stuff with me now i'm a guide dog handler as many of you know i'm carrying a lot of stuff not only for myself but but also for my dog and uh you, you kind of you need a good amount now i needed crossbody Came across this one from our nifty motorcycle people again, and uh, I looked at it. It has two huge compartments, two huge zipper compartments, probably measuring what about eleven by fourteen. Yeah, that's about right. Something like that. Yeah, and uh, it's it's rounded off on the bottom. It's very stylish looking. Um, but, um, you can put half a house in there. Um, I looked at it and I said, first thing I thought of was the Harry Potter series and Hermione and Hermione had her bottomless bag. I said, Barry, this is going to be the Hermione bag. And Barry, who had no idea of what Harry Potter even was, had to have the full blown description and he wasn't really sold, but the first potential customer we mentioned the Hermione bag. She got it immediately, and uh, it's been, we've been off and running from there. The fun part about this bag also, it, it holds a ton of stuff. It's got a number of, of additional smaller compartments to organize yourself. But the really fun, fun thing, and I didn't realize this until months later, is it has a secret compartment in it. It is very, very cool. As it turns out, this bag was designed to be a concealed carry bag as well as a, a, a purse not well a, a, a carry bag and uh it's it's really an outstanding bag absolutely we've sold lots of them i will say uh for you guys this has a more it, it's not a feminine bag per se but i really um think that it, it's probably of more appeal for the ladies 
Uh, but it truly is bottomless. I can put I can put uh, my dog's resting pad in there. I can put uh, all the the food uh, supply stuff. I can put all of the things that I'm going to need. Electronics. I mean, I could stick a ton of stuff in there. We do have a version of this uh, close to the same size. It's unisex. That is more a unisex version of it. Um, it is one large single compartment. You can put a ton of stuff in there, and the guys don't have to worry about. Uh, you know their their uh, their gender preference being in question. For anybody who has seen a lyric scanner, ah. the second bag holds the lyric, and I we we had to find something that would. Interestingly enough, the Hermione bag. The reason that our first person took it home with her when she was here is she had her Manus Q40 with it, and that bag left with her for because it held the Manus very very nicely. And so we we are lately trying to find bags that fit specific blindness devices. Um, a couple of you may know that we seem to be carrying a lot of concealed weapons cases these days. And the reason we do is... We're not uh, advocating you no, blast your neighbor. No, we don't. No. No, don't shoot your neighbor. But concealed weapons cases have this little holster in them that in some of the bags doubles very nicely as an internal cane holder for folding and telescopic canes. Keeps them dry and out of the way. But the other thing we discovered is one concealed weapons case is the best fit for use and carrying. You can use your display in it for a 20-cell Braille display. It is a gun case. It protects your display like a hardcover book, and you can throw it in a bag. It's cheaper than executive products by about 40 or $50, and we, we joke about it, except all the ports are visible with 20-cell displays. You attach it with Velcro so it stays in its case, and it's, it's the gun-repurposed Braille display case. Now we're getting to the end, so I'm just going to mention a couple of other categories, and so we can have at least at least five minutes for doggy. Um, the last, I guess, two categories I'll mention is we are we are aficionados of waste packs. We got waste packs that are small that you can carry one or two things with. We also have waste packs that will hold a 40 cell braille display. We have waste packs that have built-in cane holders because they do have the concealed weapon um, case. And our waste packs, we have our waste packs um, generally run between about 35 and $65, depending on the leather and the size of the departments. But, one of the packs is about uh, is is what is it? Is it thirty five or forty? The uh, you know the one with the uh, all the the fun with the with the with the funny thing in it with the holster in it. Yeah, that's sort of one of them is a little bit thinner, and as a result, we've lowered it sort of to the bottom end. I think it's a forty dollar pack. But ask us if we've got any specials on waste packs because sometimes we do and we will. It depends on our ability to to buy how many we can get, and we we try and keep things as reasonable as. We can. I mean, sometimes we will buy in bulk when we can, and it makes it work. It also depends on who our suppliers are. Yes. Um, let me see. Is there any quick last note for leather before we end up in the, the wonderful place of puppies? Well, as, as Barry said, we're, we, we do try and purpose things for things. So as he said, we, we discover that certain Braille displays or different uh, electronic equipment is going to ride better in something than another. So if you have a certain thing that you're looking to carry around in a waste pack, Call us, let us know. We're kind of into purposing um, product for specific uses. That certainly has been my fun piece in all this, is finding uses for these things that are of specific interest to those of us in, in our population. They're looking to schlep stuff around, you know, because we, we, we need stuff to schlep our stuff in. 
And uh, we've, uh, we have, as Barry said, everything from very small things. I do a, a treat pouch, uh, just a very small waist pouch that does hook around the waist and uh, just it'll carry the dog's treats. It'll carry keys in a wallet. That's about it to this huge thing that you can carry, you know, a 40, a 40 small braille display in, which is pretty impressive. Um, and uh, although I will say that if you're four foot six, I, I wouldn't advise that particular one. It could tip you over, but um, we um, I'm going to move. So we're not in the middle of that phone call. And I, I guess that's my cue to go into the um, the last piece of this. For any of you who are guide dog handlers, as am I, I got into this business initially to provide some some assistance for folks who handle guide dogs. It was my passion. Initially, I had mostly to do with safety and lighted products that make you more um, visible in low light situations, which I found when I was in Boston was pretty necessary. Uh, drivers and, and actually pedestrians as well are pretty aggressive up in Boston. And, I, you know, feeling safe was pretty important. So there are a number of products that we do that, um, uh, again, repurposed. I took a, uh, a, a, a headband piece that was intended for use by equestrian uh, folks. They would put it on the headbands of their horses' halters. I found that those fit beautifully onto uh, harnesses. And I have sold hundreds and hundreds of these things to light your dog up. It's a strip of lights that uh, they're LED. The batteries are replaceable. They're pretty terrific. You can put them on backpacks. You can put them on uh, a leash if you're just a pet person or you use a service dog that doesn't have a harness per se. Um, but... Uh, there are just many, many uses for them. And um, I do a number of individual lighting options as well, single lights that do different things. Some of them are more accessible than others in terms of if you have some vision, I might make a recommendation that is um, different than if you have no vision. Um, a number of travel accessories, um, all kinds of collapsible bowls, conveniences for, for traveling, small things that make it easier to travel with your dog, um, toys gotta have toys right um again i work individually with clients call me talk to me about your dog talk to me about you how do you like to play with your dog um what what size is your dog how aggressive mature is your dog um what kinds of things do you like to do um and we work out together uh some suggestions as to what might be the best uh toy for your dog and we're, we're pretty spot on most of the time we'll spend a lot of time with folks getting to know them and their dog, and it's always kind of fun then to follow them as, as time goes on. People tend to call back and let me know how things are, are going. Um, grooming, I've really picked up on this year. We've got a number of different grooming tools. So depending on the coat of your dog, whether it's a longer coat dog, a dog that tends to get matted, a uh, dog that needs a, a deeper um, undercoat uh, sort of tool, uh, slickers, different sizes of, of slickers, combs, fine combs, um, zoom groom type things. I've got, I've got a whole pack. I'm also now starting to do packages of, of grooming, uh, of grooming things all together. So try and customize them for you and, uh, and your particular dog. We'll, we will work on that kind of thing. Um, raincoats, uh, got into that this year. 
Um, and I never thought I'd get into apparel, but I've done a couple of things this year that I had not done before. One is raincoats. Our dogs are out in the, in the weather, and uh, your pets are as well. So for those of you who don't do guide dogs, don't tune out on me here. Um, I try and do things. I have found things that are protective. And, um, and uh, try and, and work with you in terms of the size of your, of your dog. And uh, the, whether you're in a warm climate, a cooler climate, what sorts of, what, what your dog's need is. And we match you to the right product that uh, will best suit you and your dog. Now, I don't have the selection that they have at PetSmart or whatever, but I've really tried to specialize in what best works, is most protective for our dogs and are least interfering with our dogs doing their, doing their jobs. So I know this, this is stuffed an awful lot into one little piece and I'm nowhere near capacity of, of what uh, I do here. But if you do have dogs and are interested, please call me and talk to me about you, your dog and what, uh, and let's talk about uh, what might be possible for you. So I'm going to back off now so that we have some time for questions um, on this, on this uh, second half of the program here. All right. Any questions? Contact info? Do we do? I don't think we've done contact well, info. We better do that quickly. Um, Kay and I, but we both we do most of our work over the phone with people because I, I'm as much about talking people out of products sometimes as into them. Um, I guess the other thing we didn't add, for any of you who have orbits or who want to explore orbit braille products, the braille, the orbit writer, the braille displays, we are one of the two national distributors for orbit. I love the CEO of orbit in terms of the innovation that he's done. And we use those products ourselves. I like the braille displays. I love the orbit writer. It's a wonderful little Bluetooth keyboard. Um, we package it a little differently than other people, but that's, that's okay. Let um, contact info for both of us. It is guide lights and gadgets is the company. Um, we we actually I think my email is in the program, but Kay's is not. So let, let me do phone numbers first. Um, Kay and we we both sort of are interchangeable on most things. There are some things Kay will turn to me, and obviously I'm not real good with the dog questions. But Kay's number is 781-286-1696. And mine is 617-969-7500. Her email is a lot easier to remember as well. Her email is guidelight, G-U-I-D-E-L-I-G-H-T, dogs at gmail.com. And just so you know, um, I'm not just the dog person. Um, and that's that's a mistake in identity that I have here. I can also talk canes with the best of them. Yep. Uh, most of the leather goods, uh, Barry certainly knows more of the um, the, the Braille-related technology pieces than I do. But feel free to pick up the phone and call either of us. If I'm in over my head or if he's in over his head, he doesn't have to toss the phone far to get to me. So um, it, it works just fine. And we our website is a little out of date. We need to do some updating, and we were promising ourselves, since we do not use the web as a selling mechanism, it's to rather describe a lot of types of products. It's guidelightsandgadgets.us. There will be an update coming in the next several months. We are, we are actually going to work on that as well as a couple of other um, online-related projects. So that is the easiest way to get us. I think the email is actually in the program, if I, at least mine is. Um, yes, and, <clears throat> 
yeah, it's I well, yeah, K is guidelight dogs at Gmail. I am Barry dot Scheuer, S C H E U R at gmail.com. Among other things. Yeah, we have three of them. So we it's have, <laughs> yeah, we have a few. But we we uh, and again, if there's something you're looking for um, that we, we may not have talked about, but it's a product you may want to find. We are really good. I find I find Brunel displays for people in the aftermarket constantly. Um, if, if, if we have a good customer for years and they ask me, sometimes I'll go look for a display for them. I don't do it as a regular service, obviously, because it would take too much time. But if there's something that was made that's blindness related, we probably can find it. Okay. Wow. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Thank All you for right. having us. Shall we go ahead and do a door prize before we bring on accessible pharmacy? Sure, I'll get this. All right. She's going to get that and take care of that for us. And she'll mute while she does that, I guess. And we're going to give away a $25 gift certificate or gift card uh, provided uh, as a contribution by Kathy Dawson. Uh, and I will ask the A-girl for a uh, number. Alexa, generate a random number between 1 and 36. Here's a number between 1 and 36. It's 13. Mr. Bob, it's 13. Oh, my goodness. That's Kathy Dawson. <laughs> well, Kathy, I, uh, I, I don't know if you want to send that gift card over for me to mail it back to you or not, but uh, you just saved yourself $25. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah, it is. Kathy, I believe that you are also introducing uh, our next uh, presenters from Accessible Pharmacy. Is that correct? You want me to do it? I guess uh, if Kathy's not going to uh, take the bull by the horns, not that I'm calling Andy a bull or anything, but if she's not going to do <laughs> that, we'll go to Ann to do the introduction. We have Andy Ber Burstein. I uh uh, is it Steen? Yes. From Accessible Pharmacy Services for the Blind. And uh, Andy and I met at the rehearsal call the other night. So he, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and uh, talk a little bit about Accessible Pharmacy Services. I know Kathy has some uh, questions eventually, but. All right, cool. <clears throat> well, well, and thank you for, thank you for introducing me. Thank you for helping me get set up in the practice. Um, Kathy, Kathy's actually the one who reached out to me. So thank you so much for including me. Congratulations on winning your door prize. And uh, <laughs> um, I appreciate everyone joining today. Um, so my name is Andy Burstein. I am with Accessible Pharmacy Services for the Blind. We are a home delivery pharmacy service. We specialize in patients who are blind, deaf blind, and have low vision. Uh, we're the only provider of its kind and we're the largest blind-owned healthcare company in the country. So I figure we have like 25 minutes, and I figure I can tell everyone a little story about like how we got started, how we came into being, what we do, and what makes us unique, and uh, what, we're, what we have in the pipeline now that we're hopefully going to be like rolling out this fall, winter, 
and into early 2023. So uh, I'm head, we're headquartered in, in suburban Philadelphia. I actually live in West Philadelphia, for those of you who are familiar with West Philadelphia. Um, I live on University of Pennsylvania's campus. And so our business, the idea for our business was started about five years ago. Uh, at the time, I was running a healthcare marketing firm, and we were developing strategies for our clients, just in general around the areas of accessibility, helping them uh, with uh, online accessibility, accessible communication, um, internal staff uh, support, and so on and so forth. And I was like, you know what, I should be reaching out to friends and family members who uh, who have their own disabilities, so I could just like learn a little bit more about their experience. When it came to blindness, um, there was a guy I knew from Little League. Our kids played ball together, Alex. So I didn't know Alex too well. I knew that our kids are friendly. He lives sort of near me. He's a really nice guy, and he's blind. So I was like, I'm going to reach out to Alex and pick his brain. So I shoot him an email. I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me. Our kids were on the Lions together. You know, are you free to meet up for a cup of coffee? Um, This is what I'm trying to do. I'd love to get your advice. So, uh, we decided to meet up for a cup of coffee and I got to hear Alex's story. Um, Alex was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa in his teens. Um, by the time he was 25, he had lost all of his usable eyesight and he, he wanted to be in the hospitality industry, but realized there weren't too many opportunities for blind resort managers or hotel managers. So he went back to school and ultimately earned a PhD from Drexel University. And he wrote his doctoral dissertation on the accessibility of the American retail marketplace for blind consumers. So here I am thinking like, oh, I'll have coffee with Alex. We'll talk about our kids. You know, we'll have a fun time together. Um, Little did I know Alex is arguably the foremost expert um, in retail accessibility in the world as a consumer himself. But obviously he had years of academic research um, and he published it. And so this one-time cup of coffee became a a weekly thing. We would drop off our kids at school. Our kids went to school about two blocks from each other. And we would meet up in the middle at this cafe. And we would just brainstorm different ideas. And Alex and I became very close. Um, I would argue he's my best friend at this point in my life. But um, at the time, as we dug more into, like, healthcare, he really helped me understand the challenges that an individual who's blind or deafblind or low vision faces just in the healthcare world, whether it be at a pharmacy or in a doctor's office, um, et cetera. So, you know, this was 2018. We were like, hey, let's write a business plan. You know, what would it be like if we created a healthcare company from the ground up built with accessibility in mind, as opposed to retrofitting an existing healthcare company with uh, accessibility? And this is, not, this is not a knock on any uh, healthcare companies, whether it's pharmacies, physicians' offices, hospitals, um, who do some really good things to make themselves accessible. But, you know, we were like, let's start from the beginning. And like every time we touch a component of our business plan, we need to like view it through the lens of what do we need to do to make this interaction as accessible and welcoming as possible? So we wrote this incredible business plan and we were like, all right, now what? <laughs> right. So this is pre-pandemic. Um, we were very fortunate. We uh, got in the car. We drove down to the NFB national headquarters and got great feedback from them. We had some really close friends in the Pennsylvania ACB and got some great feedback from them. 
Uh, Kirk Adams from the AFB was incredibly generous with his time and his resources and introductions. And everyone was all like, everyone validated what we were doing. They were like, there's no one doing this. And what you're doing is awesome. So we, we set up some focus groups in Philadelphia. We learned more about what exists in the marketplace and what else could we be doing. And we decided to pull the trigger and launch our company. We decided to launch in the pharmacy space first. So we launched Accessible Pharmacy uh, in April 2020, like right at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Um, and obviously, we all know what transpired, but nevertheless, we plowed through it. And fast forward to today, we now have 65 employees. 25% of our staff are blind. Uh, we have a full range of pharmacists, including pharmacists with unique specialties, specifically in the area of diabetes. About 53% of our patients uh, are diabetic themselves. Um, and we're growing. We're now able to provide services in 34 states, but 32 states plus D.C. and Puerto Rico. Um, our application uh, in Kansas is pending, and we're hoping to be in full stride there by the end of the fall, beginning of winter. Uh, for those of you who are like on the Missouri border, uh, on the other side, uh, we are licensed to provide services in Missouri. And we actually have a, a really nice collection, growing collection of, of patients there. Um, and we're constantly adding new services and new solutions and constantly embracing accessibility. It's amazing about like, we are accessible pharmacy, but accessibility is not like a finish line that you like cross it and you're like, oh, that's it. We're now accessible right? There's always new technology, new solutions. We learn right now, version 1.0 of our business was our business plan reconciled with Alex's research. Like right now we're in the middle of version 2.0 and 2.0 is happening because we invite groups, uh, nonprofit organizations and healthcare providers, and mostly our patients to give us feedback. And it's amazing when you ask a patient, hey, tell me about your experience and tell me what we could be doing better and what we're doing wrong and other types of services we should be offering. And most importantly, in this context, like how can we be more accessible? How do we empower someone to live independently? What kind of solutions have you bumped into? When you ask that to someone who has experienced being underappreciated in the marketplace, they talk our ears off in a good way. Right. And so all of the guessing about, hey, what else could we be doing? And how can we be more accessible? And what are we doing wrong? We don't have to guess. People tell us. And it's awesome. And that's how we're charting the growth of our company. And so we're constantly adding new layers of accessibility, constantly adding new services. Um, and it's incredible. All right. So that being said, what do we do? We deliver to people's homes free of charge. Uh, by the way, everything that we do, that all the accessibility components of our business our delivery, our packaging, our labeling, our education, our support. Um, there's no charge for it. We make our money two ways, by being reimbursed by insurance companies. And in certain states, we actually get uh, uh, funding from the Department of Health, the Department of Aging, or different uh, groups within the states. Things that aren't covered by insurance, we actually advocate on our patients' behalf to the insurance company to try to get reimbursement. Sometimes it doesn't always work. Um, and we take credit cards. Our, our prices are incredibly affordable. Um, that being said, what do we deliver? We deliver prescription medication, over-the-counter medication, vitamins, nutritional supplements, uh, guide dog and pet medication, small accessible medical devices, things like talking thermometers, smart thermometers, talking blood pressure cuffs, everything in that space. A full range of diabetic supplies, ranging from insulin and medication, syringes, glucometers, continuous glucose monitoring systems, 
So everything uh, in, in the diabetes world. What makes us unique, though, is how we deliver this to our patients. Um, we focus on three pillars. The first pillar is accessible support. Unlike a traditional model where your physician gives you a prescription or calls in a prescription to the pharmacy and you have to go pick it up or they just ship it to your door, it starts with a phone call to us. It's important. You know, Our whole model is based upon personalized medication. It's the opposite of that one-size-fits-all model that most pharmacies do. And by the way, they've perfected that model. Like, God bless them. They all make billions of dollars because they've perfected that one-size-fits-all model. For us, it's about we need to understand the patient. What's their level of sight? Do they have other issues? Do they have hearing issues, mobility issues, dexterity issues? Who else is in the home with them? Are they a caregiver to someone else? Or is someone else a caregiver to them? Um, Do they read Braille? If If they do, what's their Braille proficiency? Uh, are they able to read large fonts still? Um, are they comfortable with technology? We have a whole collection of technology solutions that can empower someone uh, with their medication. Um, we try to ask, like, what are they currently doing? You know, and what's working and what's not working? Like, what are the pain points around medication management? We'll capture all that information. We'll capture their insurance information. We'll get the names of the prescribers. And we'll go to work. It takes about a day. We'll do a few things. We'll reach out to the insurance company to confirm eligibility. We work with most insurance companies. We may reach out to the prescribers to get some feedback from them. We have our pharmacists review all of the medication that someone's taking. We find a significant number of the times someone's combination of meds that are being prescribed by all their doctors. They're getting a prescription from their endocrinologist and their cardiologist and their ophthalmologist and their general practitioner. And then they end up taking vitamins and supplements on their own. You know, so they're taking a multivitamin and they're taking fish oil and they're taking pomegranate root extract, right? And all of these things are wonderful, but quite often the combination of all of these meds together can create unintended side effects. And so uh, before we do anything, we'll hop on the phone with the patient and sometimes we'll pull some of the prescribers in and we'll talk about like, hey, you shouldn't be taking that fish oil with drug X. You know, that's going to make you really tired. And the person more often than not is like, you're right. I'm exhausted all the time. You're like, aha, that's it. All right. So we'll come up with a plan. If the patient wants to move forward, we'll get started. Um, we'll contact the pharmacy and we'll transfer all the files over and deliver the medication the next time it's ready for distribution. So that conversation usually happens on the phone. It can also happen on Be My Eyes. We're Be My Eyes pharmacy partner. So in the specialized help section of Be My Eyes, you can contact us. For patients who are uh, deafblind, we're very comfortable communicating through text and email. For our deaf patients, we communicate very comfortably through VRS, which is essentially like an on-demand sign language uh, service. That's our first pillar, accessible support. Our second pillar is accessible packaging. Uh, We have a whole collection of free accessible packaging. We're constantly adding new packages. So we have pre-sorted disposable pill organizers. So rather than you getting all your meds and having to organize it yourself, We'll set it to you pre-organized, whether with medication, your vitamins, your supplements, everything all mixed together. We also have individual daily packets. So it's like a two-inch by two-inch plastic baggie that comes in a perforated strip. Um, it's the same. We have the same machine that Amazon has for pill pack. We have different size and shape bottles, ranging from small, tiny bottles with childproof lids to larger oversized bottles with pop-off lids. So if someone has arthritis or Parkinson's and it's tricky to open up a bottle, we now have easier ways to open up bottles. And we're actually developing with Temple University's Disability Studies Program 
a whole collection of packaging for people with spinal cord injuries or in, uh, you know, in the paralysis community in general. So we're hoping to have that by the beginning of the year. Uh, we also, and finally in packaging, we have uh, over-the-counter medication of infant liquid medication in single liquid doses. So parents who are blind can safely administer medication to infant children without having to uh, deal with pouring and measuring liquids and doing it in a way that spills all over the place and doesn't get to where you want it to be in the baby's mouth. Um, finally, our third pillar is accessible labeling. On all of our packaging, we have a whole collection of free labeling as well. So we have traditional text labels in both Spanish and in English. We have large font labels. Uh, we have black labels with white letters, white, la letters, white labels with black letters. Uh, we have grade one braille and contracted braille. We have a collection of audio labels. We, have, uh, very, we work very closely with Script Talk. It's a, it's a company out of Florida called Vision America. They've been pioneers in this space. It's essentially a sticker with a microchip in it. And we upload the medication information to the Script Talk sticker. And we stick it on the package. And either using a free app that we can help you download or a free device that we can send you. It's about the size of a clock radio. You scan the package over the, the app or the phone or the device, and it reads the medication information out loud. We just recently started working with a company called WayAround. They make a product called WayTags. Uh, and WayTags is a home labeling system. It's awesome. You can label your food, like packages of food. You can label your clothing. They have washable labels. And using a free app, you scan it, and it can tell you what the clothing is. It can tell you what the food is, and so on and so forth. Uh, and we're developing some packaging now with the Helen Keller National Center, specifically for deafblind patients. Um, so coming soon, we're doing some focus groups with them uh, at the end of October. So we're hoping to have that in full stride by the end of the year. So those are our three pillars, accessible support, packaging, and labeling. A few other things of interest uh, they're interesting to me at least, but I'll share them with you. Hopefully you'll find them interesting too. Um, we've got a whole collection of educational, free educational programs online. Uh, if you go to our website, our website is accessiblepharmacy.com. Uh, it's a screen reader friendly website with large fonts, uh, but there's archived webinars that are on there. We actually ran a webinar just yesterday uh, with University of Pennsylvania's Diabetes Education Center. Uh, the executive director from the center uh, did a webinar focusing on the differences between the, the Dexcom continuous glucose monitoring system and the Freestyle Libre, which are two of the more popular uh, glucose monitoring systems. Um, so it's archived now on our website. Uh, we ran a program earlier in the year uh, focusing on breast cancer, uh, breast cancer information for blind women, so that a woman who is blind can learn how to do a self-exam, can understand the nuances of mammograms, and understand like the implications of, of surgery and treatment and recovery. Um, so that information is, is, is archived on our website. Uh, we ran a program with the Chicago Lighthouse, I guess about two months ago, um, focusing on eye drops, like different strategies for administering eye drops. So all these are available. We have a whole bunch more in the pipeline. Um, our next big event is actually on December 2nd. We're hosting the first ever Blind Health Expo. And it's an opportunity to meet uh, nonprofit organizations, um, healthcare organizations, individual healthcare practitioners, pharmaceutical industry, medical device industry. Um, it's going to be awesome. Uh, we pushed, we pushed the, the email out about a month ago. We were like, all right, we hope people will be into this. We have thousands of registered attendees already. We're up to about 75 exhibitors at this point. So it's free to attend. It's free to exhibit. If you go to our website, there's a tab called Expo. 
you can just sign up and we'll, we'll send you the information um, as it becomes available. Uh, a few other things. We last year won the federal government's award for advancement in accessibility. It was us and that small computer company named Apple. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, so we, it, was all, it, was, it was incredible. Um, and Apple's actually been incredibly like, I don't want to say we're working. I don't want to exaggerate the relationship, but the head of accessibility at Apple is actually a blind man himself who invented voiceover. Um, and Will Butler, for those of you who know Will Butler from Be My Eyes, who used to run Be My Eyes in North America, um, just left Be My Eyes, and he is now spearheading some pretty progressive uh, initiatives at Apple for the blind community. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. Um, we, earlier in the year, won the Helen Keller Access Ability Award from the Helen Keller National Center. The New York Times wrote a feature article about us, which was incredibly thrilling. Like, we, we love telling our story. We, you know, we think we have a cool story. But hearing a New York Times journalist tell our story back to us was, was pretty awesome. Um, so if you just Google New York Times Accessible Pharmacy, it'll pop right up. Um, that's it. We, oh, we're, we're going to be launching a parallel telehealth model. It's going to be called Accessible Telehealth. Um, we're going to lead with uh, diabetes support. So to be able to provide much more in-depth support for our patients, um, we're pretty excited about it. The whole model is basically creating the same way we're creating a pharmacy model that's 100% accessible. You know, creating a telehealth model that is very inviting and accessible and welcoming. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, I think that's about it. I, I, I do. I recognize some of the other speakers who are coming after us. I think Tom Tobin from the ACB Diabetes in Action is, is, is one of the panelists and we're huge Tom Tobin fans. So if you're going to stick around, listen to what he has to say. He's a smart guy. Um, I think that's about it. There's about eight minutes left till the next speaker. So I'm going to stop speaking. Um, and, and Kathy, thank you again. Um, if anyone has any questions, uh, we can speak now. But if, we ha if you have a personal question you don't want to ask in front of everyone, my personal email address is Andy, A-N-D-Y, at accessiblepharmacy.com. Um, if it's a healthcare question, I'll pass it on to one of our healthcare providers. Um, our website, once again, is accessiblepharmacy.com. Our phone number is 888-633-7007. That's 888-633-7007. Um, the vanity number is 888-633-MEDS. I was, oh, oh, my God, I just messed that up. I gave you the wrong phone. It's 888-MEDS-007, as in James Bond. So, who are my, so but that's our phone number. Um, we'd love to work with you. I promise I will reach out to Ann and Kathy and let you know once we get the formal approval from Kansas. It's coming soon. But um, I'm really done talking now. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. All right. And uh, we may have some questions for you. We have a new streamer who has come in. All right. So thank Belinda Collins for her work earlier today and uh, welcome again the lovely Lucy Edmonds who is uh, streaming now and I'll ask Lucy do we have any raised hands we do oh whoops yes we do <laughs> yep and um first of all thank you Andy this has been I, I don't think I've ever listened so fast <laughs> I was trying to squeeze a lot into a little I, bit of time I understand that um you have justified Kathy's objection to the way I scheduled you, but at, at any rate, <laughs> um, one of the dilemmas that I uh, see is 
like I have uh, pharmaceutical services through a Walmart here in Topeka, and I'm pretty happy with them. Uh, however, Michael has to go to the store to pick up my prescriptions, and we don't drive anymore, so that means he has to take the bus. So, so I would certainly consider switching to you guys. Um, and I also use advanced diabetic supplies to purchase needles and uh, my Libra sensors. Uh, actually, the insurance people pay for that. Do you like the Libra? Uh, yeah, I do. The problem I have with them is they think that I owe them some money and I've called their office twice now to give them and, and worked with them to get my new credit card installed. And they don't know that yet. Their company, oh. I keep getting collection notices from them and I'm getting oh, really mad about them. So we can't, we can't utilize you though until Kansas approves you, right? Licensed. Correct. And it's, it's just, it's, 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 it's part, it's, there's, a, there's a level of bureaucracy. So we're going through the process. We filled out the application. We paid our application fee, and uh, it, it will happen soon. Coming soon. Well, be sure and let us know because I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to switch, just because of the mail property thing, and uh, so Michael doesn't have to take the bus to Walmart. Yeah, there are some other. There are a bunch of pharmacies that provide mail, or they obviously don't provide all the other services. But if that's a big issue for you. Um, well, sorry, I actually think Walmart may. I don't know if they, I'm not positive about that, but I think they may. But but I don't, I, I haven't had real good luck with mail order pharmacies. No, I'm sorry. So, and I didn't, I wasn't using insulin at the time. And I, oh. I, I really want to know that that's done safely. Kind of thing. So nice. So, Interestingly, like, one of the exhibitors at our expo is uh, Novo Nordisk. Who's the world's largest manufacturer of insulin? So if you have insulin questions specifically, Miss Lucy, do we have any other hands? No, we do not. Okay, well then I'll ask a, a question or two. This is the other half of the Bindons, and okay. uh, I have a different question. Uh, first of all, on behalf of both of us, we both are currently using Script Talk. Do you, uh, for the information that comes with the medication, do you? Uh, work with script talk or do you use another method for no we, we have we, we love script talk they're great okay so we can still use script talk that's excellent sure. now the uh other question that i have is when uh, ann and i went to the uh, area agency on aging to select our uh pharmaceutical provider on our uh, medicare part d uh this year why uh they assigned us into different pharmacies because they said that her drugs would be cheaper from Walmart while mine would be cheaper from Walgreens. Okay. And uh, again, I don't have any objection to that, except uh, I'm taking the bus to two different pharmacies uh, quite frequently. And uh, we'd just as soon have other things to do with the time. Uh, but with mine, my doctor then said, well, this one medication you take is kind of expensive through Walgreens. Uh, I can get you a, it's some kind of a RX, RX. card, uh, good RX or something like that. And it'll be cheaper from the Dillon's pharmacy, which is a grocery chain we have in our area. And now you're going to three pharmacies. So now I'm going to three pharmacies. Now it's a shame you can't get frequent flyer miles. You'd be like, uh, you'd have a trip. Really. And uh, my question to you is that going to three different pharmacies was something that was assigned to us to try and save us money. 
how are your prices, which I know you said are incredibly good, but how much more is it going to cost us to put everything under one pharmacy roof? I, I know you can't figure that out specifically, but just ballpark figure, uh, do you think you could meet the three different pharmacies? Yeah, I, this. I, I, I don't know what medication you're taking. I don't know all the nuances, but right. um, I, I, just hearing your story, like, that's ridiculous. Like, there's, there's got to be an easier way. Um, the punchline for this is I don't know the answer, but we'll figure it out with you and for you. Well, I hope you make it into Kansas soon because it does sound like a much simpler system to use than what we're currently doing. For right sure. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, if there are no more hands, we will thank you very much and pronounce our schedule to be actually on track, which is just amazing. All right, well, I'm going I'm to log off now. I have to help my son with something. But once again, thank you all again. Enjoy the time. Check out Tom Tobin, who's up next. Right. And uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Bye.